It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I got your book today. Recorded huh? live. I got your book today, The Art of Passing the Buck to Oh my god. I mean one <laughs> I mean one. Volume one. I just picked it up. Okay. So now I'll I have to get it sent out to you. Well I, let me give me, uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Well, I'll send you some money. No, no. It's all covered. Okay. We got the she wolves here. Yep. I uh, got the boomers here. Boomer here. Yes. Okay. I hear boomer. Hey boomer. Okay, everybody. Welcome to uh, Legal Deceptive Community Call. Uh, as you all know, we do this thing every Thursday night. We get up here and we talk about all of what's going on. Well, this tonight we uh, today I got some interesting information. Uh, apparently, on the uh, the website out there, the Park Service website, somebody dropped something about the Appomattox Courthouse. Now, the particular in- of interest is a where it says frequently asked questions. All right, it states here. All right, where was the treaty signed? Now, this is on their website, so understand this is what their statement. There was no treaty. There was no treaty signed at the end of the Civil War. The surrender at Appomattox Courthouse was a military surrender of an army which, which was surrendered. The Confederate government never surrendered or even had it wanted to. The United States government would, ha- would likely not have accepted. To do so would have legally acknowledged the existence of the Confederate States of America, I would have legitimized it and given it certain legal statutes status internationally. Treaties are between two nations, and the U.S. would never concede the legal existence of the Confederacy, even though it had a government, army, taxes, and all the trappings of a modern government. So, bottom line, there's your evidence right there that this thing never oh. ended. Hey, Command, just to um, iterate on that a little bit, there's a movie out there called Lincoln that sh- that shows exactly what you're talking about. It shows how General Lee, when the uh, Confederate president, I think vice president, I believe, they were there negotiating, and the general came and said, no, there's not going to be two nations. There's only going to be a term of surrender. It will not be the United States and the Southern. It will only be the one, the United States. So that is interesting that you said that, and that's the document that you put in today that you asked me if I had read it, right? That's a website, yes. You need to go to that website, and I'm advising everybody to print a copy of that website in case it goes down, okay? Because yep. now that we found this, this puppy, all right, it's, it's liable to disappear. Oh, yeah. Right? 
Oh, yes. Because now we have bonafide proof that there was no, there was no surrender of the southern states. So let's well, reason this out a little bit to help people understand this better there okay. of the southern. So when the states formed a union, each state was, its, was still its own nation. Mm -hmm. So they had legitimate governments. Now, when you get, let's just break it down to simplicity to help clarify this. If you have, uh, let's say, 13 guys get together or 13 people get together and they decide to make a contract, they agree to work together and accomplish a project for the benefit of all. And yeah. half of them decide that they're going to break the contract uh, because the other group already violated their contract and they were getting abusive. So, and that's just if you don't if you don't keep a contract, it dissolves it. So it's no different between nations. The only difference between a treaty and a contract is treaties are between nations, contracts are between private men. Mm -hmm. so same thing when the southern states left, they were still legitimate governments, but to yeah. recognize them as legitimate governments would have given credence to their validity to split off. They, the South was right. They could have left because the North was breaking the contract, the treaty, the agreement between the union of the states. Mm -hmm. So they could declare the contract void and leave. But here's the catch. If the North would have given legitimacy to the southern states as individual nations, then mm -hmm. they would have not been able to reconstruct it into this new slave uh, government. And that's what we have today, the, the, the Reconstruction Act, reconstructed into the corporate democracy. Mm -hmm. So we have the same thing going on now. The de facto courts cannot recognize the legitimate de jure courts because they, they keep them shoved off at arm's length and go, oh, that's not right. We, we don't see that. Well, that's why I posted that thing today about I made a video several years ago, Let's Ask Frank Number 2, where a friend of mine uh, asked former Alaska Governor Frank Murkowski. Uh, Dave says, my friend says, talking to Frank Murkowski, former governor, he says, well, you know, the Alaska court system is not the judiciary. And you can hear it right on the video on YouTube. Frank Murkowski says, well, nobody ever said it was. Well, there's laws that say it has to be, or they're just posing as a court, simulating a judicial process. Same thing with the southern states leaving uh, the Union. If they would have signed a peace treaty, that would have given legitimacy as a nation. Each state's its own nation. Then the jig's up. Mm -hmm. So this is huge information that was posted today. Now, we never could figure out, and, you know, if you get nobody to ever tell us that there was a peace treaty or an armistice ever signed. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people out there went off. Uh, the, uh, I think it was Andrew Johnson, uh, yep. when, when he stated that there was peace on the land three times. Well, peace on the land is not a peace treaty. All right, peace on the land is not is not an armistice. If it ain't put in writing and it's signed by both parties, it doesn't exist. 
like any right. other contract. That's why you countries, when they enter into peace treaties and different treaties, they're called high contracting powers, okay? Because that's exactly what they are, the high contracting powers. This stuff is all about contracts. Uh, anytime you deal with treaties, it's about a contract. It's all, all it is. Anytime you deal in real law, it's contract. Mm-hmm. Now, now what we have here is we have some proof that there is still a war going on by their own words. Now, I'm this week, going to, uh, next day or two, I'm going to pop a letter uh, either into the, uh, the archives or the uh, 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 Library of Congress. And I'm going to ask them for certified copies right, of either the, uh, the armistice or the peace treaty or right, the Civil War or a certified letter stating that neither one can be found or exist. That will be telling. All right? That's what I'm going to work on in the next couple of days, getting it out by Monday. All right? So we should have that letter back here real soon. All right? Uh, Wolf, you got anything you want to say? Is she here? Yeah, she's here. I'm here. Oh. So I'm listening to you men hold your conversation. <laughs> so, Southern. So what what took the place of the Constitution then? Since, Nothing. Uh, Nothing. The Code did actually. Yep. The Code he, would have taken the place of the Constitution. That's right. That's why that's why everything's going the way that it's going under that Lever Code. That's right. That's also shown. I'm gonna put the cover of that movie on. I'm gonna upload it from my page to cover that movie, because for those who may not get it as clearly, to see exactly what you're saying in that movie and exactly how you're explaining it right now, is that's exactly what that movie shows, and it's amazing. Well, I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called Lincoln. And, you know, it's believed that a lot of these transitions has taken place during that time of Lincoln, and that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Danny and Sheila will tell you, since I've known them about two and a half, three years, I've been trying to tell everybody this. But like yep, I said, there's people out there, but there's people out there that have been trying to tell me that uh, it, it didn't happen that way. But this right here pretty much says it all. all right? Now, where are we going to go from here? We don't know yet. Because this changes everything about the court system and everything that we're doing here. All right? Everything. We, what we need is that letter. Because that way that letter can be walked into any court. All right, out there. Since, it, since this thing's under a state of war uh, and under the Lever Code, and they suspended all the laws, uh, in this country, all right. Yep. But this country would be under martial law. They're, they're, they can't be dragging They are It's a generating revenue in the little private armies, and that's about the size of it. Okay. 
uh, uh, bottom, the bottom line is, I'm going to see if I can get that letter out. Hello? Hello? There's a lot of echo going on. Yeah, I know. What is it? You hear like an echo? Echo? Hmm? Hmm? Somebody's echoing. Yeah. Yeah. We need to find them. We need to find them. Yeah, can you mute people out if you want? All right. All right. Hello? 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 Give me, give me a second, people. Let me come back inside here. Yeah, at least you have it. <laughs> yeah, because if I stay inside, then everybody gets to hear my uh, grandkid uh, watching this uh, Minecraft. Yeah. Uh, hello? That, whatever you did, she will, that got it. Okay. I'm not going to yeah, say much. I'll let you guys say whatever you have to say first, and then I'll talk about today's court case. Okay. Okay. Now, something that's very interesting about this, okay, this states here that Jefferson was captured by federal troops on May 10th in Ireland, Georgia. He was held prisoner at Fort Monroe in Virginia for approximately two years, but the U.S. government tried to build a case to try him for treason. It was ultimately released without trial. Many scholars feel the U.S. government was concerned that if they tried Davis for treason, it would lead to, the, to a case on the constitutionality of succession. That explains a lot right there why nobody was ever tried for that. Because under, it wouldn't have been under the Constitution. It would have been under the Declaration of Independence. That it would have broke away. Am hey, Command, I got a question. Go ahead. So if that's the case, then shouldn't we be able to go in and take them in on claims of treason that they're committing against us? Because the remedy for HJR 192 was the, the signature because they took all the gold, right? So we should be able to raise that issue of treason if they're not going to allow the signature. To represent for the gold, and we should be able to bring back the hey, denial of the remedy means the charge of treason still stands. Is that not correct? Well, the problem is you're, you're going after them people, and you're going to try to bring them into their court under their laws, under their rules, and charge them with treason. Do you really think that's going to work? You're going to have I mean, I'm just to, asking, uh, you know, I'm, it's an idea, you know, that's why I want to put it out there as a think group. I, I, I agree with you 100% that whenever they... I think, I think what the people are forgetting here is our first lesson in the book was draw a line in the sand. Remember, no matter what law they pass, this country is working out of equity and trust, okay? That's right. And you know where you guys forget? Draw a line in the sand, and let's just look at it this way. They're dead and you're alive. Mm -hmm. No man shall be able to buy, sell, or trade without a mark or something of importance. Remember that. See, the reason why I'm saying is that every time 
we come in to say they've committed treason or deception, right? You can't do it because they're dead. And you sue them at doing business as when you do it doing business as in their personal capacity. That is because that's I believe that's where they get their immunity from because when you yes. try to as a judge or attorney or whatever. I, I agree with you 100%. That is where they're, listen, people, you know where they're getting their immunity from? Because they're a corporation, uh, limited liability, uh, sole proprietor, uh, what else and do they use? Um, another thing, let me throw something in here. Where they're getting their immunity from is that license. They're licensed to do that stuff. Yeah. To do illegal stuff. Remember, a license is a permission, permission to do something that's otherwise it's illegal. That's right. And you get it? For those of you who haven't seen that license stock, you need to seriously go take it and get that license stock and read it. Because we're, us being under the Libra Code, they outlawed all commerce, travel, and everything else. So right. for, you, for you guys out there who are running around, all right, which, uh, and I said this before, with your federal case law saying you have a right to travel, just remember, under federal law, you have a right to travel, okay? But now you're in the state where you're a prisoner of war, you don't have a right to travel. You need a license. This is why I wrote that license document the way I did, because they, nobody has ever went in and addressed the, the war side of, the, of this whole thing in any of these courts. And we're finding out that nobody wants to address that. They don't want to address Well, it. not only that, but, you know, um, like I said, Karen Hudis, I know she tries to, like, sort of spill the beans, but I told her, unless you tell the whole truth, you're not really on the good side. She keeps saying... Rule of law. What rule of law? There is no rule of law in operation here when all commerce uh, has been suspended and everybody needs a license to do whatever they're going to do. That's right. You know what? If you wanted to sell a snow cone from your house, um, you have to have a license. I remember this one family was doing um, a church meeting. And they got in trouble by their community because they didn't have a license as a congregation to congregate. So those people out there who think, yeah, like some people would say, well, we're separation of church and state. No, you're not. If you have a 501c3, you definitely do not. They dictate to you what you can't. I think there's like how many Southern 21 501c3s? Uh, 24. But also. uh, they have Remember, their own uh, rules. All right, that church has a business license. Yeah. That court has a business license. All right, that police department has a business license. Well, they don't right. here. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. I look. They don't have a business license. Well, I guarantee you they got one because they, they I have, have a question. Um, do they ha- do they receive federal funding? Uh, yes, they do. Well, then they got a business license. <laughs> I guarantee you. Are they you. receiving federal? Remember this, people. When you go on SAM.gov, and it may say something like federal funding only, federal funding means they're getting private money. 
Federal Reserve notes, federal government, that's all private. That belongs to the Federal Reserve private side. And if they're getting federal funding, it ain't coming from us. We're just having let, to pay the taxes on their borrowing. Let, let me say something here. I, I was an electrician for 30 years. I've been in too many courthouses and other places and seen the licenses hanging on the wall. I've had yeah, to get it's called occupation. an occupational license. <laughs> well, well, there's an occupational license. There's a business license. Mm-hmm. There's a fire alarm uh, mm-hmm. uh, certification. All right, burglar alarm certifications. You go into some of these places, people, you may not see it, but it's there. I guarantee you that that door is Oh, open. yeah. Now, if you go to the Pentagon or certain other places that I do know of, they don't have licenses. <laughs> but I, I do know for a fact that all the, because we've addressed this before with other electricians who have been working these places. Because I'm fossil certified. I'm fire alarm system agent. All right, we used to go in there and, check and work on the fire alarms. And these places are all got business licenses. They all got occupational licenses. All right, and everything else. So they're just nothing more than private businesses for all practical purposes. They just won't let you know about it. Somebody, somebody, I don't know. Let me go in and mute some more people out. Yeah, I can hear like TV a television or, or something. Yeah, no, that's, here. That's over here. I can't hear nothing about okay. it. Okay. Okay. Right. I don't want to mute you out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hold on one second. Okay. Now, and whereas, this is a quote, and whereas, according to the law of war, martial law, is obtained during a state of war and is in truth and reality no law at all. Unquote. Think about that statement. Sound like any, anybody we know? Any country? Yeah. Sound like us, don't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, this... Like I said, we need to start putting, letting these people know that we know this war is going on and what is going on with it. I'm trying to look up another. Hold on one second there. Okay, so do you want me to tell them? Uh, you want me to tell them about the case today? Yeah, be my guest. I'm dying. All right, I just come in for a few minutes and talk about today's case. As you know, I'm always writing up cases, people, for other people, but I don't I don't want to do one-on-ones. They're very costly, and they're very time-consuming. Okay? That's one thing I can tell you. I would love to be someone's lawyer, but <laughs> a lawyer would charge you 5000 for a down payment. It takes a lot of work because you have to keep on top of it, and um, the donations that I get... Um, what I have to end up doing is I have to keep on top of them. That includes my services, meaning that um, I coach you all the way up to your walking in that courtroom. And that's what I do. Like some people go to court and they start panicking. I'm texting them what to say and what not to say before they go in that courtroom. So you're probably wondering how is the uh, power of attorney working? 
that I posted. So um, I did an inquiry. Uh, my kid was in jail in solitary confinement, and they received that notice. I think I told you about a couple of weeks ago, I filed a restoration of property under state capture. Um, and I filed it with a power of, uh, well, I didn't file it with a power of attorney because I didn't have to. What I did is I did a trust enforcement, so the judge is going to try to play stupid today. She uh, called my kid in the court and says, you know what this is about? She says, I don't know. I'm not the one who filed it. And she said, well, who is jail number? She said, that is where you had me contained. So think about the power of attorney. And I believe I filed a uh, um, a claim for restoration of property under state capture when I did the one for the baby a couple of weeks ago. I did one for my 21. Uh, she's 20. So what happened today was, you know, they had let her out in 24 hours like I demanded. They sealed the case from um, all viewing. No one, no one can pull up the cases. But the judge wants to know what is this about, so she calls in my child and says, um, what is this about? You know, did you, now check the questions out that she's asking. Did you have a, did you have a power of attorney over yourself filed in a court case? So my child said, yes, I do. She said, so you have power of attorney over yourself? She says, yes. She says, over your body. And she said, yes, I do. She says, okay. So I want to ask you, how old are you? She says, I just turned 20. And she said, are you married? She says, no. She says, well, I don't know if your mother was claiming that. Did you leave something in the jail cell that you're trying to retrieve? She says, no, ma'am. The fact of the matter was that when you originally received the document, ma'am, she says, I was in a jail cell, and my mother's telling you to release me from captivity. She says, but you're not in jail anymore. We let you out. And she says, I understand. And she says, do you have anything you want to add to this? Well, my kid didn't know, but I told her there was, oh, and here's the most important part. There was nobody in the courtroom. She was the last person called in, and she only, this was a court of equity that we pulled up here. There was nobody in that courtroom except her, the judge, and the clerk typing up the notes. And she said, do you have anything you want to add to this? And she said, I don't think so. She says, so we are good here. This case will be dismissed because, you don't have anything to add to this, so, you know, you go home. She says, okay. She was supposed to tell the judge that the attorney tricked her into signing a contract for community control. But being that she's too young to understand, she could have gotten relief from that community control. See, because what I write in there is if any man has a higher authority of ownership than I do over that property, that thing, that entity, then stay, stay so now or forever hold your peace. And she said, well, you can call my mom. She says, we can't call her because she is in a different state. And I told her that could have meant that we were in the state of Texas, of the Texas state, or that we were operating under equity so she couldn't speak to me. 
because I was doing a trust enforcement and she cannot speak and try to override my, my request as a trust. So I'm telling you people out there that are fighting about these kids and the CPS, you do have a power. And I know someone wrote something today about, oh, well, you just need to tell the truth and when you do your urine test, you know, drink water or drink that That's baloney. And you know what? You'll never wash that over me because I'm going to tell you that I've been working with CPS for almost 18 years. And that's a bunch of phony baloney. If someone's going to tell you to drop urine, I would tell them to show me a warrant for my urine or get out of my house, get out now, because you're not going to get no urine. There is no such thing as consenting to give out urine because a worker asked you for it. That is ridiculous. And as a matter of fact, I thought I brought it to your attention a couple of weeks ago that they told my son-in-law, that is your fault. The attorney was yelling at him. Remember, my kid wasn't at the first meeting, but she walked into the one 30 days later when she filed that property claim, and they told the young man, now you're going to have to put urine in every week. This is what the judge was telling him. And the attorney said, it's your fault. Who asked you to donate urine? You consented to give them urine at your house, and now the judge is ordering you to drop urine every because the moment he said so, I don't care, I don't want to hear it. You consented, now you give him the urine. Well, He goes, nobody made you do it. That's right. Another way that they might want to do that is when they tell them that to, to, to drop urine, stick your mm-hmm. hand out. Okay, and when the guy said, what do, you, what do you want? I want my $10 million. That's my body fluids. You want my body fluids? I want $10 million for his private property. I guarantee you that my kid will arise out of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, are you trying, uh, is that an order? But they won't. I'm telling you because I've had people that were told um, they asked me to do a drug test. And I'm so scared because I smoked marijuana today, and I'm like, so why are you donating your um, urine? Well, she said, she's, I go, I don't care. Call her up and tell her you changed your mind and that you're not going to donate any urine to go to the judge and go get a written order for urine. And the workers would say, no, forget it. We're not going to do that. You consent to these things. You consent to the abuses that, yes, they can call the police and take the children or do whatever. You could still, right as soon as they take it, you got... 24 to 72 hours to file a complaint of hijacking and kidnapping immediately. And you write the child's name in lowercase letters, first name only. You put it in there, and you're going to say, well, how will they know it's me? Well, if they didn't give you a case number, then what you do is you just write your address on there of somewhere where they can find you and a phone number. And believe you me, leave that with the clerk and someone will call you. Oh, you yeah. have to stop them. Listen, they did not even know that. They, they're trying to play dumb. Look at they tell my daughter. Are you jail number so-and-so? Well, that's really funny. You summoned her to court. That's because you read my paper. You waited 13 days because you were looking for a law to override my complaint. You would not even call me. I'm the one who filed a complaint for my property. You didn't even call me. Will you tell my child? 
oh, I can't do that because uh, she's in a different state. As long as they're under 21, and you look at your state laws of what they deem when you're not responsible anymore, because I will tell you, you can probably push up to 26. But some states say that up until your kid is 26, you still have to get them insurance and you're financially responsible. If you are, then I suggest you be doing a power of attorney over that body. Doesn't it say someplace, I'm correct, that we're all infants? Yes, you're all legal. Legally, I will tell you that the law under uh, equity jurisprudence says that all women and infants are legally disabled. All women and children who enter a court are legally disabled. And you know what? You can call it. See, all you have to do is write and look at my paper I filed for kidnapping. That you took something that belongs to me. And you know what? They're in breach of trust. Because equity jurisprudence also says that they are not allowed to negotiate a child. That is, that is actually, um, uh, what do you call that? Human trafficking. Yeah. So what do you think is going to be the outcome? Huh? What do you think is going to be the outcome? Of, of the one I just did? Yep. Oh, the one I just did. I mean, my poor kid, if she would have known, she could have gotten her uh, community control eliminated. The judge asked her, is there anything you want to add to this matter? She asked her all the questions. She said, are you under 21? Are you married? She's trying to develop who's, what is she going to do next because she fell under the category of being under 21. She said, oh, she asked her, are you Miss? And she said the last name, and she says, no, I'm a young lady, and this is what you can call me. So she passed that test. Um, they sort of know that she's learning and that someone's training her. Mm-hmm. But the judge will test you. That's why I tell you guys, read the notes. Read the documents. If I write a court case and I scrub it down and you're putting your name, I even write on there, write your lowercase name, write your uppercase name. Um, I'm testing something this week. Since you say they won't honor your dollar, we're going to go back and look at um, McFadden's speech. Where, yep. he, where he says about putting your name on the documents uh, to get it paid, right? So we're going to go and look because there are several cases where people wrote their name in all capital letters. You know what, people? When you're doing a conveyance, right? And when you're doing a conveyance, it's in all capital letters. <laughs> but from listen. Because man cannot do business with a corporation. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Remember, when you go in the courtroom, you're missing, right? Oh, I forgot. Everybody's muted out. <laughs> 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 Everyone, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
when they call you in the courtroom, they're calling the all capital names. Okay. So I was thinking, okay, they cannot speak to you as a man because they corporatized on you, they capitalized on you. So I'm thinking you need to write your name in all capital letters. Um, Southern said he had seen a bill where you write a check to somebody, and when you look at the back of the cancel check, it doesn't say it was deposited into their own account. Actually, it didn't say any account. It just said uh, for deposit only. Uh, and it had some other words there. I didn't get a real good look at it. I'm trying to find somebody who's got a canceled check who can read the back of it and tell us exactly what it says because I don't, I don't have any checks, all right? Wish I did. But if anybody's got any canceled checks laying around there, right now would be a real good time to grab one of them uh, for your electric or, or something because I want to find out exactly what it says on the back of that check. All right, because I think they got two, they're operating two accounts, okay? And like I said, if anybody can get their hands on one, I'd definitely appreciate it. And let me know. Sometime during this, during this call tonight and read it out to us because this is, this is getting interesting. Well, another thing, that, you know, um, the people have that uh, credit, uh, what is that, um, that document that I put out where you send it to your creditors, and even if you don't have a problem with them, you need to be sending them that document. And you need to be demanding answers because, remember, you've signed some kind of a contract with them, and we're operating under contract law, which is actually another way of saying you're operating in trust. And you open up an account, you're the trustee, you're the debtor, you're the one in control of that all-capital name birth certificate, okay? So when you get a bill, they're sending it into the name of the corporation. You know, you need to ask questions like, who are you billing here? Because you're trying to figure out why won't they honor that coupon. Maybe, I'm not sure, maybe you needed to write in the back and read an all-capital name. Maybe box it in red and put the social in there without no, um, I, I don't know. Maybe not even put the social. I know it's all tied to it, but I'm just saying, like, for some reason they're not honoring it. I'm going to go back and listen to McFadden's speech. Um, today I did something, and I send it all in all capital letters, and I'm going to see how that works. I've never had a problem with mine because I always use, like, lowercase. I don't write my name in uppercase or anything, but let's see what happens when I put it in the all-capital name. And um, basically, you know, when, like I was saying the other day, you guys go into court, you're saying I'm pro se. It's short for pro se in rem, and you're converting yourself into a thing. Um They're saying the only way you can really go into a court is through jurists which is actually in essence. In essence, you're the essence. You're the you're the entity. You're the live being. You are who you are. And um, there were um, under equity jurisprudence, um, 
I was under section uh, section 92, Commonwealth Equity Jurisprudence, and it says uh, rights, primary rights and duties, the constituent parts of equity. Well, number one was relating to persons. There's only two that they use. It's either going to be relating to persons or things. Well, persons, it says it could be a corporation, proprietorship, sole partnership, insurance. That's when they use your all capital name. The second thing, the second part is when they classify you as an object or a thing. And that is what they're trying to do. And um, uh, as persons, you've got three divisions. You know, you got natural and logical status of persons to acquire and enjoy legal rights subject to legal duties. U.S., uh, all distinctive classes have been abolished. So they're telling you right there, when Steve Pomeroy, he was criticizing lightly because he knew what they were doing. And what he said was when they were merging equity with law, that he was in fear that when they did this, they were going to take away the rights. It becomes a full control on their part over the people. And that's exactly what they did. He began seeing with his own eyes that they were eliminating our equities. And um, every time you did something and you put your signature on it, think about it. They're selling your signature. And they're making compounded interest, selling your name on the market. And um, so, you know, therefore, that was, uh, the, you're, you're using your, as a matter of fact, when you're using your upper lowercase name, you're using it as a proper name. You're using your name in proper, you're signing off on the capital, which is you're the sole corporation on that name or whatever you want to call it, a trust asset. Then when you use all lowercase, uh, you're using the body. So um, I was looking at someone's um, passport application, and they write their name in proper. I'm thinking maybe you don't want to write your name in proper. Maybe you needed to be writing your name in the lowercase as the body on the land. Because it says when you write your name in all lowercase, you're speaking about the physical body. So those of you who are operating using your proper title, I don't think you, you maybe you don't want to use the proper title and you want to use all lowercase last name first on your passport um, for the reason being that um, you are one, you have the United States of America. Anyone that has a blue passport, you can open it up. And you will see on the front of it, it has the emblem of the, uh, of the Washington District of Columbia. And on there, when you look under nationality, it says United States of America. It doesn't put your nationality. It's saying United States of America, meaning that you're held in trust. So if you put your name in proper which is usually what people tend to do, I think that's why they're, you might have it halfway correct. But then again, remember, the 50 states are called the U.S. government, and the 50 states are also subdivisions of that 
United States of America, and those states hired the District of Columbia to be the trust management corporation of the entire nation. That's when they nationalized all the people. So then I would say we have a problem because we don't have a body on the land. And without a body on the land, uh, basically, uh, you know, the courts are trying to say, oh, well, you're domiciled here. Well, it doesn't mean anything. You could be wherever you want to be, but if you don't have the proper passport, then I think that whenever you sign up for an apartment or you do an application, they try to domicile you to a certain area, but you're still, um, you don't belong to that state. I'm going to tell you why. Because for many of you, you were born in another state, but you're living in a different state. And each state of the 50 states itself are a separate country. You're still a foreigner on the land, people. What do you guys think, Southern and Denny, Boomer, anyone? I, I want to make one statement. There was somebody out there this week condemning the process that we're working on, all right, mm-hmm. with with the uh, uh, postal postal uh, money orders. Listen, people, you just because you build this thing out and you stick it in there, if you don't know how to stand on this, if you haven't read that money doc, all right, and it comes back just one dollar, then you didn't understand the process, all right. Because I asked somebody, did you put, uh, what did you put on that, okay? And they said, well, I put for full payment and discharge. All right, well, full faith and credit. I said, did you call back up the people and ask them why they didn't discharge the debt? Mm -hmm. All right, now I'm going to give you something you can try. All right, take a $1 money order, all right, right on there. For final payment, for full and final payment, okay, and send it in, and try that, because I'm going to tell you something. That's a contract. If they cash that sucker, they've entered a contract, right, Mr. D? Yep. That's a contract. That would be legal binding in a courtroom. So you heard what it said for final payment. So they don't have to say with full faith and credit, right? Or they do? No, well, I don't have to say. You don't well, have you don't to say full faith. Okay. So, you know, yeah. I want to, you know, um, for many people, like if the money order doesn't work, then you can put that. I, I am one. I'm not going to tell you to take the risk. That is what I do. And I got one of my bills back, and I got another one, too. They got put down to zero because I disputed it. You know, um, but one thing I want you guys to think about, many of you are born in a certain state. And when you're born in a certain state, you are not, you're not, first of all, you have one problem. Here's one problem. If you do a passport, they give you the passport, a blue passport, which says United States of America. And if you look at your passport, again, I'm going to say it says on their nationality, United States of America. So that means that you are actually, your status is in the federal zone, which is the national zone. 
So I would say that parking your birth certificate, the blue one, um, maybe it's the correlation to your blue passport, I don't know, but I know it has a bank emblem embedded in it, and you park it back over there, um, there's something that you're you're not realizing, and before you can be reborn, you have to learn the laws of release. You have to release the old before you can go in with the new. And so I suggest that people start looking up the laws of release. Because you can't come in and say, I'm a born again. Get it, born again. It doesn't say birth again, does it? It says, I'm a born again Christian. And we don't even have to use the word Christianity. I'm, for, I'm a Christian. The reason why I'm a Christian is because um, I'm not saying that I'm a Jesus freak. What I'm saying is that I believe in his principles that he was trying to teach you on how to be born again. You're birthed. You have a certificate of birth, not a certificate of being, you know, a live-born individual. Uh, Not even an individual, a live-born flesh and blood, mind, body, and soul, which, you know, you were born in a certain state, okay, of the 50 states. Then you have the United States, which is comprised of 50 states, okay, and those 50 states will be said like um, uh, the state, uh, what is it, uh, the state of Texas, the state of uh, Indiana. And then, um, so you were born in those states. But then they split you into that birth certificate. So now you are, you're, in, you're in two jurisdictions right there. You have the federal zone and then you have the state that you were born in. So then you travel among the 50 states, and those 50 states are 50 separate countries. So when you park that blue birth certificate back into your county of birth, you, you know, you're just going to have to say, I'm, I'm, you know, you're going to have to do a rider on it to override what they've done, and you're saying, I'm accepting this. You can write rider on top of the birth certificate. I instruct you that I am um, re, uh, returning this certificate to be born again, and I instruct you to do this, this, and this, but you're going to have to write your name now, all lowercase. Last name first. Why? Because using the proper name is the same thing as using it under the 50 states. They're all 50 separate countries, okay? And um, that's like a title. When you use your upper and lowercase, believe it or not, it is your, it's a proper name and it's considered a title. (laughs) Okay, so you're not operating yet as a body on the land. So uh, when you do this, I would believe that you would have to record it. Um, I was noticing something, Southern, on that document where you said the Civil War. Well, these people are you, you know what, that birth certificate is actually being held like at a county seat. Because that blue birth certificate, it has a different officer. It's the registrar's name on it, and that's the one you got to return back to your county of birth. Um, a lot of people said, well, I file it in my own county. I think, you know, you can try, but if you don't see any um, results, uh, I know Trial, she's a good friend for me. Uh, I think she's a wonderful person. She looked at it biblically, and she was told, um, you're not adopted by a state. Now, think about what they told her. 
you started a process. She returned her birth certificate to the county of um, where she was born. And then they said, but you're not finished yet. You got to have a passport. You're traveling here without a license and they told her your process is incomplete. You have to be adopted by a state. Oh, you got to be adopted by a state. Okay. So you know why that is? Because you're born in a state, but you're traveling in other states, right? And you want to say, I want to belong to the 50 states. Well, think about this. In the 12 tablets of the Roman Civil Law, it says very clearly that we are not allowed to tax our own people. We could only tax the foreign people on the land shall be taxed. You're foreign when, you, when you're walking around with a blue passport and you haven't changed it yet. They can still tax you on the land. You're still a foreigner. That's number one. They, didn't, they can ask you for a license, but you don't really need the license. You can, I've given people my passport when I travel, but I, I've got to change my passport because I'm changing the status. Um, I saw somebody was publishing something about probate law. I would agree. You have to go before a judge as well because they're probating that estate, and you're the decedent of that estate. So I'm thinking I saw someone do like an example passport. I'm doing it as all lowercase um, because it's body on the land. Remember, when you write everything in lowercase, you're talking about your body, uh, 50 states of the union, body on the land, and if they tell me later, well, you still have to be adopted by a state, then I'm going to say, and what are my benefits if you adopt me? Are you still going to probate me? Because I'm not going to have it. Uh, are, if you're going to probate me, then you better tell me how you're going to pay my bills and give me back all that compounded interest you've stolen. Okay. Any questions? They don't. You you notice though they don't talk about that. They it says on each application, are you a U.S. citizen? Mm-hmm. Are you a U.S. citizen? If you say yes, that means you're a United States citizen. But they don't ever talk about you being that federal citizen. Well, if you look down below that, it's always the word other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they don't tell you what the other is. <laughs> Well, I was thinking about the other, but then I'm thinking about the fact that they don't ever talk about you being a national citizen. Mm-hmm. Huh? Nope, they don't. They sure don't. Uh, well, that, you know, I'm just thinking that they do that. See, they're tri- but you have to remember this, too. You know, I was reading really, really profoundly into the to the actual history of the United States, and I read, I already read the um, passing the buck, uh, passing the buck part one. I'm on, I'm already working on part two. And then I gave you guys a PDF. Um, I think it was the secrets of the IRS. So in there, it also explains about the four positions of the United States. And they talk about the 50 states of the union. They talk about um, the United States, as in each state is its own country. And then you have the United States of America, which is the head trust corporation. 
they're the ones who took your birth certificate and threw you in there as an asset. And that's how they suspended your ability to live. You can't live unless you have a license. You know, people cannot operate in commerce without a license, okay? That means you don't have a right to buy, sell, or trade. And that, you know, and so, and then you have a number attached to you, and they'll say Mark of the Beast is a number of a man. Well, that's, yeah, it is a number of a man. That's your number right there, the number you will walk with until you die. So this week I've been profoundly looking into um, helping you guys. And one thing I realized in doing my paperwork was that I might, I used the proper name and the power of attorney, and and basically I guess it was okay because the judges don't even want, um, I guess we were halfway there. But now I'm thinking when I write, but when I write my cases, I use all lowercase, and I do not use a last name. Because remember what I told you. If they want to find you, trust me. That little game that the judge was playing with my kid, with my child today, that, that's BS because you knew, you knew who you were summoning into the court because you sent a letter to her home. And they're saying, well, who is this about? And she said, uh, weren't you in jail? <clears throat> She said, um, yes. And what is your jail number that we had you in? And she said, this was the number. She said, did you leave anything behind in the cell? Listen, that judge is very clever. Too bad I wasn't there because I would have shut her down in two seconds. But my daughter did realize, she said, but when you received this notice, ma'am, I was in a cell in solitary confinement. She said, but there's nothing in the cell right now, right? And she says, no. Do we owe you anything? See, the poor child don't know. Do yes. we owe you anything? Was something left behind? She should yes. have said, yeah, you owe me $10,000 a day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, do you have anything you want to add to this? I don't think so. I wanted to strangle her, but you <laughs> I want, I'm trying to teach my kid equity. He's in here look, thinking about it. But you know what she told me, Mom? This is the most difficult thing you're teaching me. I don't even understand what's going on here. And I told her, not only for you, for the entire nation doesn't know what's going on here. I said, mm-hmm. those people, you know what they're testing you? I said, you know what that proves to me? That these lawyers and the BAR, you know what? They're professional, criminal. They're running a criminal enterprise on you, and that is what they're trained to do. That's exactly what they are doing. Mm-hmm. When they ask you all those questions, I said, because they want to know how, you know what? Let me see if this kid knows what it is to operate in commerce. And if she knows what, listen, they wouldn't even call me. They've had that letter for 14 days. They're not going to call me because they know that I knew how to write that paper. But listen, I use lowercase. That means I'm asking about the body. Someone took your baby? You better write a 24-hour notice and say you better restore my property. That entity, that baby belongs to me. 
I am the co-creator, or you could say Jack and Jack and I, or Jack and Betty. We are the co-creators of Baby uh, Sam. Don't use the last name. Believe you me, that when you write all lowercase, the judge will talk, and she will make sure that you don't speak a word. They'll give you back what belongs to you. Sam, I am. Sam, the man, will come in there, and you say, give me back what's mine, they're not going to override you. But those documents, what I tested was I wrote them all in lowercase letters. No last name. If you, and, and say, um, you can write a handwritten letter, okay? All you have to do is make sure that you identify the thief. If you can get their commercial IDs, like a Duns or a Duns and Cage, get it. Put it in the body of the letter and say that they stole your property and put it under state capture. Um, tell them that they don't give the, the property back to you. To restore that, that living mind, body, and soul that you co-created back to you, that um, you're giving them so many hours to do it, otherwise you're going to go forth as a breach of trust and court action at $10,000 a day. Good chief. Listen, they understand what that means, trust me. I've already used it twice. Those judges Liz. know I'm not playing with them. There's a case over in the uh, city of Tampa, I'll have to look it up, mm-hmm. uh, where, where the guy got like 20-something thousand dollars, I think, for a 20-minute traffic stop. Uh, for a what? A 20, for a 20-minute traffic stop, he got like 20-something thousand dollars, I believe. Okay? But it came out to mm-hmm. $1.8 million a day if you're incarcerated. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to find that case and put it out there tomorrow. Yeah, we need to... We need to um, find cases that can help you where you can, listen, uh, Jenny, if you want to teach them, because last week we couldn't record the shows, I would appreciate it. I'm going to mute myself out, and you can do this to the core. Um, can you give them the three-step contract process again? Oh, the administrative? Yeah, because last week, presentment. Okay. Yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't teach the people last week. I mean, many people didn't get to hear the show because they couldn't record. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay, I'm muting now. Okay. Uh, basically, when somebody, when you have a problem with somebody, you're supposed to go to them in private. So you just give them a notice and state, this is, uh, this is wrong and I'm asking you to correct it. And I'm giving you, let's use an example, 14 days to respond to this. And that's a good faith offer, and they have to answer back to you if they're going to remain in honor. And that's the whole thing about the whole, if you're going to act in law, you got to remain in honor. So after the 14 days, if they did not respond to you, you send them another notice, say, uh, notice of default, opportunity to cure. So you give them 10 days to respond to that, and uh, you, you always be polite in this process, too. So you may have overlooked or forgot about this first notice. Um, I'm trying to resolve this uh, error or this harm that you've done, and I'm giving you another 10 days to respond to this. If you don't respond to this, then I'm going to have to give you a notice of default, and it's going to result in a judgment against you. And uh, 
I'm requiring this amount for payment. You're making a contract offer. So I try to tighten up the contract terms on the second notice, and that way it gives the terms of the contract to them very distinct and plain. It's an express contract offer. Then if they don't respond after the second notice 10 days, then you'd send them a notice of default and send them a bill in equity for the contract amount because they accepted it because of their silence. And you ha that's part of the terms too. If you do not respond to this, I'm, I'm just going to presume that your acquiescence is acceptance. Your acquiescence is your silence is acceptance. So you can change the dates on that too. You don't have to give them 14 days. You don't have to give them 10 days. But always give them at least 10 days on the first and second. The third one, notice of default, I give them three days on that. So if you're mailing it to them, it would be three days for mailing, and then I'd give them an extra three days. You always give more, more time to – pardon me? You, you always give them more time. So if you give them 14 days and then you send them out a notice of default opportunity to cure after 12 days, then you're not acting in honor. You didn't keep your word. So you always keep your word on this. So you actually are running your own court because in court, if you don't defend yourself, if you don't try to correct it right there, then you get a summary judgment because you didn't answer so if you don't rebut this, you're not answering it. So then that's how you get a, a summary judgment out of, of doing this three-step administrative process or notarial process. And I've seen some people say you have to have a notary do the presentments for you. Well, you don't have to do that. As long as you keep good records, and that's another important thing, you have to keep good records of this because you've got to show that you – acted in, in in honor, you gave them the time that you said you were going to give them, and they didn't respond, and here's the contract that they accepted by their acquiescence. And you've got a legitimate, lawful judgment against them. Anybody have any questions about that? Does anybody have a question? Uh, hello, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm in New York State, and I read I read that uh, someone's failure to respond to a letter like that is not uh, an agreement. I've read it in the state codes. Uh, you're talking state codes, right? Yeah. Well, law. I don't know if it's a law code or whatever. I'm just saying that they're they're saying that it said failure to respond is definitely not an obligate you know an obligatory action. Okay. Really? So yep. when they send it to you, it's out, it's an obligated action. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I went through the whole thing in a foreclosure, and the banks pretty much just ignored everything. You know, they never produced a okay. note. They ignored Here's everything. Why. Here's why. Because they're going by code. And you're accepting their offer of what they said. Well, the code says we do this. I'm talking contract law. What's the highest form of law? Private copyright color of law or codes or contract law? Private law. Right, I see. Okay. Contract law. 
contract law is higher than uh, the Constitution. And I've had a lot of people say, no, it says the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Well, for government agencies, yeah, it is. But contract law is even higher than the Constitution. This is how they can get get you outside of your secured constitutional rights. Well, I think the Constitution... I think the Constitution mentions contracts that people are free to contract or something like that. Yep. Article so, one, I mean, if you're, right, you're basically what you're saying is is a contract, right? If you make an agreement with somebody, that's the law. That's the law of the land, really. If you agree to to terms. Oh yeah. Max if you agree to terms, then you, then you're obligated to fulfill the, your whatever you agreed to. That's exactly. Right. That's saying. what the breach of trust. Uh, remember, yep. they're they're operating. They're not operating unlawfully now. No, because you agreed to it. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And that's right. what the judge will say. Well, you agreed to this. Right. Well, most people don't realize they have a choice. You know, you, can, you don't have to agree. Contract. I mean, that's what we're all learning. That's what we're all here learning. You don't have to agree. <laughs> that's right. The best way not to agree is to make a counteroffer mm-hmm. and realize that everything you're doing is contract law. Just mm-hmm. make a counteroffer. If they say. Uh, we want you to do this, say, I'd be happy to do this, but my fee for this is I require uh, two toothpicks today or $10 billion. It's irrelevant what you come back with. In and for consideration. In and for. Are they going to – you can counter offer them and ask for something in return. Exactly. That's one thing. I mean, but doesn't, you your, doesn't off, your offer have to be reasonably fair? Isn't there something called uh, lawful consideration or legal consideration where it has to be in the well, real, in the all, in the realm of in the realm of reality? It's why, like, the a realm contract, of your reality. Well, it's like a, it's why a contractor can't go and get a little old lady to sign a contract saying he's going to charge her ten thousand dollars to replace a window. Because it's it's on because it's an unreasonable amount that would be an that would be an unlawful contract an illegal contract because it's an okay. unreasonable amount. If he says if he says okay I'm going to charge you a thousand dollars to charge a window to install a window, well that's a reasonable and fair and it can be justified. You can say well I have overhead I have insurance I have help to pay so you can you you know there's there's I think believe what I believe what they call lawful consideration or, which means. You know, you you can't just charge whatever you can't just charge whatever you want. You, there has to be, I mean, if it you say five hundred an hour or a thousand or ten thousand a day, yeah. But if you say a billion dollars, then it's going to be. I think it's like anyway. That, my that's my understanding. Is, what is lawful consideration? You just said well, lawful consideration. Is there any lawful you can always um, you can always say I don't accept that. Um, they can tell you I don't accept that billion dollar a day. You can say well, let's negotiate it. But it, here's the thing. If you accept it, if you accept $10 billion an hour, that's a contract. Right. I I hate to bust your bubble on that, but if you agree to it, you agreed to it. But here's the thing. Why would we ever want to gouge somebody? Because ultimately, we're here to operate in equity. And equity means win-win. It doesn't mean gouge somebody. Now, if you got criminals coming after you, trying to engage and steal from you, I'd charge them ten billion dollars an hour. If, <laughs> yeah. if you don't take yeah. no for an answer to leave me alone, 
then it's going to cost you $10 billion an, a- an hour right. or something like that. Because no means no, but unfortunately, most people don't know how to respect the word no. Right. And you can, you know, here's another thing that people don't realize is that you don't know what jurisdiction you're operating under. And the judge will say, well, I'm operating in personam or in rem, right? Uh Uh-huh. So let's just say in rem, you could say in rem to where? I, you know, are you talking about a city jurisdiction? Are you talking county, state, or are you talking about a national jurisdiction here? Because the courts would say in rem, but that doesn't tell you an, under what jurisdiction you're operating under. They're just saying that they're classifying you as an object. Yeah, uh, that's right. So uh, when you're in jurisdiction, what jurisdiction you're in, if somebody says, what jurisdiction are you making this contract? The answer is real simple. It's my jurisdiction. I'm the one making the contract offer here, and anyone who agrees to my contract accepts my jurisdiction because my contract is the law between the parties. An agreement or contract makes the law between the parties, and nobody can override that. Uh, and you, and you just write a little page that says jurisdictum because jurisdiction really means jurisdiction, which is a defining of the word. Yep, jurisdiction, uh, to speak the law. Let me throw something out here. Uh-huh. All right. They claim to have three types of jurisdiction over us, infasana, in rem, and quasi-in rem jurisdiction. There is no such thing as, between people like me and Danny as per, persona jurisdiction. Persona jurisdiction, people, if you really think about it, would be mother or parent, child, okay? You would have to be something over that person, all right? A relationship of some kind where you are have authority. A kidnapper to the, to the uh, hostage, you would have to be... Uh, a master to a slave, all right, mother or father to a child. This is this would be in persona jurisdiction. And this is something they don't want to tell you guys. All right. Well, remember so that we, they define the person as a corporation. This is what I was thinking. When they say in personam, you know, they're still they're talking about um you know, remember when we looked up the word person then it meant insurance claims, it meant corporation sole proprietor, you know, some type of corporate name, right? Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about us being the asset and the trust, the holder of the certificate. Well, that's what I was going to do next. Now, there is no such thing as in persona jurisdiction because these people that... Now, the only thing in persona jurisdiction, let me rephrase that, that they could have over you is ward, as a ward of the state. Okay, that's the only way they can get in persona jurisdiction is if you are the ward. All right, a prisoner to a prison guard, all right, would be would be persona jurisdiction. All right, now that's what that mm-hmm. judge was saying that I was a ward of the state when I first came here. She says, "Oh yeah, remember you're a ward of the state." Yep. Well, so she's practically saying I'm a prisoner of war. That's it. Now the second one is is interim jurisdiction. Now, let me tell you something. If they tell you they have in-rim jurisdiction over any piece of property, any piece of property, 
you ask that man to produce title to that property. Because that's the only way he can have any in them jurisdiction over your property, is that he has some sort of claim, legal binding claim or title or deed to that property. So you can scratch that one off. This leaves the only way that they ever get jurisdiction over us. And if you understand quasi-in-rim jurisdiction, they either have to steal something from you or kidnap you and hold that object or you hostage to get jurisdiction. And that's how they're getting jurisdiction over us, people. They kidnap you with warrants. They take your property. All right? And that's how they get their jurisdiction. Otherwise, they, you know, I've got an actual document written up that is yet to be used on that. But uh, bottom line is I, I take them apart on those three jurisdictions. You know, let right. them come in here and prove that these that they they have either one of those. All you got to do is say one of the three, and it's right there in the document. You, you're screwed up. Okay? They're pretty much done. Because you can automatically on the and Pisana say, well, are you my master? You are, you know, that's it. They got nowhere to go. See, we, we got to start writing documents, okay, that ask the right questions and make the right statements. All right? Now, a lot of this stuff is going to get thrown out. Like, you know, it has been happening with my license doc. All right? Everywhere it goes, it gets thrown out of court. Okay? And, but sooner or later, they're going to realize that we have caught on and we, we're, we're, we're trying to trap these people. And this is what's going to have to happen. So, excuse me for a second. Yeah, when you say it's been thrown out of court, that means they don't allow you to file it into record? Well, they filed it. In, no, the people that filed it on the record, and it keeps just getting pulled off the record. Okay, okay. so go to court, do they dismiss the case? Most of the time, yeah. Okay, so it's the results you want. You just well, need, no. you know, what you need to get is, uh, is uh, maybe what you need to get is that order of dismissal. Don't you get the order of dismissal? Nope. The case just disappears. Does the case, even, uh, the case itself disappear? The case yep. itself has been disappearing, yes. Right oh, off the record. Yeah, that's what you really want because... You remember now, no, if it popped up on the record when someone pulls you over or whatever, it looks bad. So that's what you want, an expungement. Because it's gone. No, I think, you uh, remember now, the public can't see the private, maybe because you send it in the private. No, we're putting it on public record. But maybe document. the fact that it's a private document, it can't go, they won't allow it to stay public. Well, they won't allow it to stay public because what it exposes. Exactly, and that's the thing. Uh, no, because I remember. I think I don't know. If, I don't know if one of you guys said it, but um, someone has said um, because the the public and the private can't mix. So right. So no matter what you're trying to do, it's just like with um with um um Lady Wolf Wolf Fox Lady Fox Wolf, Lady Wolf She Wolf. Yeah. My bad. Sorry about that. She Wolf. Yeah, with that's She okay. Wolf, he said that. They um they they dismiss the case and expunge the case from record so you won't be able to find it, and that's right. really what you want to happen anyway. But yeah, but that you know how I did that was all lowercase. Yeah, you gonna you gonna are you gonna give us a sample gotta, of that one? 
Well, I did. I Okay, I got another one. I did the second um, restoration of property over uh, my 20-year-old. And you're going to see. Posted already? I don't tell you what. It's been sealed already. It's not even showing. That's why people will say, well, you didn't show me proof. I didn't even get a chance to show you proof. The, day it hit the, the clerk it got removed from the record. You know, they erase it because I use all lowercase. I don't use the last name. I invoke the rights of the actual state itself, the territory, the land. So yeah. I'm invoking body on land. You get it? Lowercase oh, okay. name is the body on land. That means Florida State, Texas State. Um, I said I invoke my civil rights as a civil a civilian on the land, or you can say a woman on the land. That's impropia, impropia persona. That means improper person. As, yeah, and, you, yeah. and you don't even have to say it. You could just say woman on the land or man on the land. They're supposed to protect your rights, I hope you know. It says in equity, the court is supposed to protect the rights of infants and women. So what about yeah. us? What about, what about us? And they don't have to protect us? Well, basically, you know what they're saying here when they say this? Is that you're supposed to protect your companion. But being that all um, men have been separated from the family, what they've done is um, they've stolen your rights under patriarchy. So they're trying to act like you're all orphans. And, um, that's why the women, gonna, that's why they treat yeah, women. You see how they treat women, but, but actually in the law, men are really the ones that have the rights over their, their wives and children. But I guess because they have so many civil rights cases going on, they don't know what to do there. But it says here, look, I'm reading section 93 of Pomeroy. Relative to things, rights in REM. In rem means real right by nature avail to their possessor against all mankind. Right, the right not to molest, interfere with, violate the right. Rights in persona, personal in persona means personal rights against a particular person or a body of persons only the right not to infringe upon or violate that right rests along upon such specified person or a body of persons. So when someone says, I have in personam, like um, Southern was saying, how did they get that right? Are they your master? You know, um, these are the only two rights that they use against you, relating to persons and relating to things. So the next time people go into court saying I'm pro se or you even hear them, you say, no, I'm hearing the proper person. As a proper person, as a man or a woman on the land with civil rights, but you should write that down right away as soon as you have a problem. Um, Under real rights, this is Section 94 of Pomeroy. In REM, there are three genera. One, rights of property of every degree over land, Shadow, things, real, or things personal. So what are they saying that they've done to you people? They've taken, they've taken hold of you as chattel. That's right. It says 
every to every degree. Damn that that's just like saying all in all things. Yeah, land, chattel, things real or things personal. Number two, rights over. Uh, listen to this one. Number two, rights over his own life, body, limb, and good name. Number three, the rights which certain classes of persons over certain other persons, husbands, parents, masters, including servants or slaves. So when they take in rem, which is like when they're taking your house or something. Why are they doing this? Because they come in, even when you go in pro se, what are they saying? You're coming in as a thing, as an object. I'd be asking, why are you considering me an object? Listen, and what they did anyways is human trafficking. Because for you to take a, this is what somebody had called me today. Oh, you know what, ma'am? You know, you never registered your grandchildren for school. I got this call today. I said, and what is your point? Well, you know, you were supposed to register them for school. And I said, says who? Well, aren't you going to, I said, says who? So who do I owe this honor that I'm supposed to be registering the children Mm -hmm. for school? Well, you know what she says? I'm just giving you a courtesy call. I said, well, you don't sound very courteous to me. When you're trying to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. And I said, and by the way. I know you need a head count so you can get your bonds for these children going to school, but it's going to remain in the private. Well, the district, I don't care what the district has to say. If the district don't like it, they can give me a call. But I'm not, I'm not here to serve you. You're here to be taking care of the kids. You're paid to do that. But don't call me up telling me that I need to register anything, anybody, anything, anyone. That person did not know what to tell me. I am not going to have people calling me, telling me, oh, I'm giving you a courtesy call to remind you. No, you don't need to remind me. I know what I need to do. That's what they're pro- You know what? They're so used to telling you what to do, people. You have to stand your ground and say, who's getting this information, by the way? Because it's private. They're being labeled as an object. And you saw what in persona means. It means personal property. Of who? Whose personal property are you? Of who? The state? The city? The county? Who, Who? And why would I even vote for you? Why would I even vote for someone who claims that they have personal jurisdiction over me? Uh-huh. And they're not even defending my rights because once they jump into the corporation bandwagon, receiving Federal Reserve notes, federal uh, funding means private money. Remember that it's not public money because you're paying the taxes on what they get every year in those entitlements. Okay. Uh, back to the back to the uh, license doc. Uh, somebody was saying that we want this this thing thrown out of court. Okay, if they keep doing this, they're going to keep dragging people into the courts. We have a trick we're trying to pull. Uh, 
I don't, I don't remember who was the, the person that was discussing that with me before. But uh, you need to read the license stock and understand what it says. In that license stock, it states, all right, under Boogie's 1856, and I'm, I'm rechanging the license stock. By the way, I'll be putting it out there under version. So, and under uh, the second edition, Black's Law Dictionary, that it is uh, permission to do something that is illegal without a license. Now, what we're trying to do here is to get this on the record now and to stay there long enough to get into a courtroom. Now, we've no, but done I, don't think it, I don't think that's going to happen, though, because well, the thing is they can't allow it to go public because if it that goes means, public, everybody could could follow the could could say I want to I I, I want to follow same suit as the um as that previous case. And okay. that's, 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 they never want, so that's a bandwagon they never want to stop. They never want to well, start. Reason, you know you're what right. I mean? You're right. You're right. So listen, we're gonna. Thing is, is not to. You see, I, I don't think the thing is to try to fight them and try to publicize. Just to, yeah, we want everybody to know, and the thing is, long as people are knowing, we're making a change because it's not about getting them to say they're acknowledging it, because we know they'll never acknowledge it publicly. So what we want to do is we want to free these people's mind so that individually we all like like um she wolf's daughter, she wants her to be able to go in court and be like. Yeah, you know, I, I was damaged, and um, this is what this is the this is the award I this is the award I want for settlement. Could you please yeah. wire this? Could you could you please fund this account such and such x amount of credits of funding? Not to mention, okay, they did hold the case in private, but here's the most important thing, people. Yeah. That we talked about a couple of weeks ago about when you get a ticket. And you go to return it, that's when you should be filing that license and money doc. That's right. Right there. When you file your part of that complaint against that corporation, yeah. file that money. And see, you're, see don't, I told you this before, people. Do not go in as a defendant. Yeah, go in as a complaint. Use your ticket. Yeah, use your ticket. Your ticket numbers are actually bill numbers. They're trying yeah. to bill you, right? So you go in and you file a complaint you, or file a counter complaint. Yeah. And you say, I don't agree with this because see my, and you can say, call your uh, money doc and your license doc, Annex 1 and Annex 2. You're going to annex it to your complaint. Do not call it exhibit. Call it annex. And serve it right back to them in your complaint. And many of you will see that you'll be invited into that courtroom by yourself. The only person that's going to be in there with you is the clerk, so the judge can test you. But for those of you who are not ready, Don't you need go. to need that license doc and that oh, money no, doc no, because, no, no, no. yeah, um, no, Southern, no. go over the license doc and the money doc with them. If you want to go over one of them with the people today, um, yeah. because a lot of them don't read it. They don't know what they're doing, and they'll say, yeah, the judge hit it or removed it. You know why they're removing it? Because, remember, they have a case against you. Uh-huh. You don't have a case against them, yeah. so they have a right to remove it because they, the corporation, is filing a complaint against you. 
Yeah. So the only way you can, the only way you can actually be heard is through an actual counter complaint. Like that's right. Oh no, no, sir. It's not going to just be one person seeking damages. It's going to be two people seeking damages. Both parties. Exactly. It, it's almost like when you go into the people's court with Judge Judy and both play and and. I, I know it's not a lot of times they have it, but a few times they do have the, the defending party with a counter complaint, and those usually are the most interesting ones, you know what I mean? Because yeah. And you see how they divide up. It's almost like as long as you got proof of the counter complaint, they're granting mm-hmm. it, and they'll, they'll just subtract it from whatever their complaint, what the other person's complaint was, and you still walk away with the difference, which is our complaints, is always going to exceed their complaints. So we'll always walk away, Victoria. So all we want is our 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 victory is we got what we want. So those same proceeds or rewards that we get from the case, those proceeds can be used to to help everybody else get exactly. get the knowledge, so they can do the same thing. So we don't have to be living like. We we in destitute, so we sometimes we in destitute to the fact where these offers sound so good because you you don't have no no better opportunity, you don't see nothing better, you know. You're desperate, acting out yeah. of desperation. Yeah, they make you. Yeah, and that's the worst way to, and that's the worst time to make a decision when you're when you're confused and you're desperate because you don't usually make good choices, you know. Mm-hmm. Not unless yeah. you're 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 a type of person that stays calm and just no matter what, you know. it's it's hard to stay cool, you know, so it, especially when you're sitting there and your freedom is at hand, you know what I mean? And oh, why yeah. is it difficult for you to defend yourself in a case where you're a defendant? Because, well, then I, let me not even say the word because, because <laughs> be cause. Be the cause, people. Listen, the reason why you can't defend yourself in a case where you're the defendant is because, or for the reason being that, you do not operate. You're not employed by them. What what law could you possibly use to defend yourself in a case where they're using private rules and regulations against you that you'd have anything, think of it this way, anything that is secret and you don't have knowledge of, guess what? It's not law, yeah. number one. So when you come in there trying to defend yourself, right, and they'll say you violated statutory law, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. What do you do? You have to cross-complain. you got a counter-complaint. Yeah. Okay? Counter-complaint, use your lowercase name, invoke your rights on the territory as a body on the land. And what happens? You're going to give them the money dock and you give them the license dock and say, I have rights on the land here. As a man or a woman on the land, you don't have a right to try to contract me or extort a contract from me. And now you can say that that person held you at gunpoint, detained you for 30 minutes, um, and that your fees for the damages... Or the injury, you'd say the injury is so many dollars, and you have 14 days to respond. Now, remember, now you're not defending yourself, are you? Think about it, people. You're not defending yourself to what they just said that you did, right? Yeah, they're answering for what they did, and you got proof of what they did. That's right. 
the citation or whatever charges they're bringing up you on. The police report is the proof of what yeah. judge. So we're use, they're using it as the weapon when, when no, they're using it as their shield to, to knock us down as their, you know, we're defended. They're, yeah, they're actually using it to knock, as their weapon to knock, to, to slaughter us. You yeah, know? and so what are you doing wrong? You're trying to defend yourself, right? Yeah. Using their rules and regulations? No, that's what they use to get money from you, to extort it from you. Yeah, that reminds me. So what do you do? Come in with a counter complaint as a man on the land. You you know what you write? Um, now, when you come in, you don't write yourself um, like uh, Johnny versus, um, not like uh, the state of uh, uh, Texas or or it'll say the um, county of Tarrant County or the, the city of uh, Arlington versus you, you're going to now write a counter complaint saying you, John, a man on the land of the Texas state, let's just say like that, or of the city of Ulysses, right? But I would rather you invoke your rights under the Texas state. That's your jurisdiction. You're a man on the land, and then you write a man on the land, right? And then you come in, you write the case number, and you do a counter complaint. You say notice, um, complaint, and request for injurious damages, right? And you counter complain them. You say this officer pulled me over and tried to extort identity, my identity from me, threw me against the car, injured my arm. Here's my doctor bill. You put it on there. Annex one is evidence. Annex two. This is what else they did to me. Oh, pull the gun out in front of a minor child. My baby. You just say my baby, right? All right. Also then you come in and request for what? Uh, damages that were. Um, I am damaged and injured. But you don't want to say damages. Say in uh, which were injurious to me and my good name. Why? Because it says in there that you and personal jurisdiction for yourself is injuring your good name. Injury, that's the word they use under equity jurisprudence. Injury to you and my baby who's <coughs> under 21. You, got, you don't call it a child and don't call it a kid. Don't say I'm a father, that I'm a parent. Do not call yourself non-custodial parent. Custod- you know what you're telling the courts? That you're a dummy. Because that's what they call How could you be a custodial parent of your own co-creation, people? And you want to know the honest truth since you guys like the truth. You're 50-50. That child belongs to you 50-50. Don't matter which side is more demonized than the other. How could you go? I mean, I understand when you're dealing with a terrorist, like sometimes people have gone beyond and above and beyond the call of duty, and they will do anything to destroy you, okay? You know, your partner. But... And honesty, in honesty, a long time ago, it was the woman who who actually took care of the, the, the children, the co-creation. The men usually went out and protected the family. But because we live in a world which is more equal, well, it takes 50-50 to procreate, okay? You're a co-creator and, you're, and your loving spouse is a co-creator. 
That's the bottom line. Okay. And let me tell you that it worked so well that I had a, I'm going to tell you, I had a child support dispute this week. They won. Judge ruled 68% to the female had to support and 28% to the father. So I gave the father a call. I said, big mistake taking it to court, but this is what I'm going to give you. We're going to do a 50-50. And actually, you're not even paying 50%. I let them know because you're not paying no health insurance or anything. Now, the person was paying 400 a month, and they were crying. They wanted it to 150 They said they couldn't live off of $300 a month. I said, that's fine, but you know what? If you can't live off of $300 a month, you're asking your child to live with $150 a month? You know, why would you take that to a judge? I said, fine. So I will put in a notice, and I'm going to say $200 a month. And the person kept saying, no, I don't want to pay that. I don't want to pay it. And I said, listen, that's your choice. I'm putting in 200 for the, that'll make it 50-50. And um, the other person agreed, let's make it 50-50, and that person said, you know what, you're being fair, let's make it 50-50. You, people just want to go to court over and over and over and get these lawyers, getting these courts involved, destroying their children, because they can't come to an agreement and they want the judge to probate every single one of you that are going into that court. You know, it's like everybody, it's like we can't think for ourselves. And it's exactly. Not, it's not like we got King Solomon up on the throne, you know, up on the judge's stand giving a good decision, mm-hmm. you know, trying to see who really trying to look out for the child's best. We got somebody mm-hmm. there that's profiting from it, whether who, whoever wins or whoever. Mm-hmm. If you both lose it, they still profit from it. So Oh, you know. yeah, they get furious. And you know what? You know what they're thinking? <laughs> Look at these two ignorant people fighting in a courtroom, right? And I'm not going to say everyone's ignorant because some people have problems, okay? I know, like someone wrote on the wall, some people don't even deserve to have children. Yep. But remember, you pick that partner. Before you procreate with them, you should have known you should have known who they were, number one. I mean, you don't just jump into bed with every Tom, Dick, and Harry that you see, number one. That's right. But that's just the way it is in America, so people want to be free. All right, so you and got you know, you're so free now you captured now you got now you enslaved yourself. Oh yeah, those judges shake their head. They're like, Listen, these two can't even and then they go in there and they start This is this is how bad this case got that they were gonna say, Oh, I remember when you used crack. How about the other one will say Oh, yeah, and I remember when you used to take these pills and you were an alcoholic. I said, wow. I'm like, does it really? Neither one of you. If care. The judge is like. Yeah, you know, like. To the facts here. Airing out dirty laundry. Yeah. I said from I 10 years ago. Any... <laughs> well, she will. Yep. Hello. That's why they created yeah. this adversarial, adversarial court system. Exactly. That's what this is all about, having a war. If they oh, yeah, they're people, excited. Yeah, they get yeah. excited. War, yeah, as long as there's confrontation, they they're, yeah. they're, they make a profit because guess what? Mm-hmm. You have to pay them for their time. You got to pay them for their paperwork that they're shuffling around, 
and you got to pay them and keep paying them until they say, you know what, okay then, guys, now your problem's solved. And by then, yeah. your only problem you have is them. <laughs> there well, is no court case without a conflict, and that's why mm-hmm. doing that administrative notorial process is good. You're trying to work things out peacefully, yeah. not in a war manner. Yeah, that's and why then you it's all- that and bring it, and then you use that after you work out the whole. After you give them the due process, they love talking about due process. You give them yeah. the due process, and then you hit them with an intent to sue, and you take mm-hmm. it. And you go in and you file your complaint. If they don't answer within the, the 30 days or whatever time you want to give yeah. them, you file your intent to sue. They don't yeah. want to. They don't want to pay your damages. Then you take. The, they'll see you in court. Argument mm-hmm. done. You don't even have to file an intent to sue. On the yeah. last step, the notice of default, you yeah. write this results in, and I do that on the second step, on the notice of default opportunity yeah. to cure. I say what? this will result in res judicata, already judged, stare yeah. deceases, already decided unchangeable, with permanent estoppel against the party Whoever it is there. Um, you're gonna have uh, to get any court of the land. You Hold don't on. have to sue. It's already done. No, you're gonna have to say that again. That was too fast. Say it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so uh, I tell them in the second step, which is the notice of default opportunity to cure, yeah. your failure to respond to this to settle this matter honorably will result in a notice of default which will be rest judicata, that means already judged. The case is already done. You've given them due process. They've passed on their – they waived their opportunity of defense. They've agreed. Agreement is contract. They've accepted the contract. And so res judicata, their deceases, means set in stone. You can't change it now. With permanent estoppel, that means you're now barred. You've waived your right to defend. Yeah. Permanent estoppel in any court in the land. You don't have to file suit against somebody. You file for summary judgment because you've already had a complete due process, judicial process done and judgment and given them due process and honor. So that's a court. You're running your own court of record and keeping your own records in that. And you can build your contracts while in the process too. Okay. That's self-governing. All right. That's all. Okay. All, right. So, all right. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. She I have a question about the good name. Uh-huh. Um, in dealing with the good name, it, would, it, would that not um, be claiming like the legal fiction? Um. Yeah, well, that I think. They, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Did they not appoint a legal fiction for your use? Yes, ma'am. Yes, they did. But I mean, I don't want to like. Wait a minute. When I go to court, I tell the judge that I'm you just a man, a man is spirit. Right, but you still have a good name. Let's just say that they gave you. You see what the people forget is that they gave you that all capital birth certificate, right? Uh-huh. But you got to remember, you're still a man on the land. And you're changing your status as a, to a man on the land, right? Uh-huh. You have a name of calling. You know what? People can call you Joe, Bob, Sam, right? Mm-hmm. But 
they're destroying your good name, you could just say you're destroying my good character, my good nature of character as a man on the land. You don't have to say name. They use equity jurisprudence. What happened is when, when Pomeroy wrote this, this was way before now. Remember, when he was writing this, they were just turning people into corporations or actually not corporations, corpus assets, right? Where I told you right now they had uh, in-rem jurisdiction to what? Real property. That included, your. it said shadow property, right? Physical property, mm-hmm. real pro- You're the real property. Mm-hmm. You're real. And that means they say that they own everything that you have they own. Including yeah, your home, and you, best, you know, and I believe you when you're when somebody had posted. I think we're going to have to go to probate court. Uh huh. Yes, you do. That's I, that had popped up in my mind court. a long time ago, huh? That's interesting that you said probate court because I had a situation with a writ of uh, assistance, and mm-hmm. the judge in that did not have an oath. And I went to the. I tried to contact the sheriff to let him know that hey, if you were to act on that judgment, you would be damaging me in your personal capacity. But he never responded. So I went and talked with the coroner, and it's interesting because the coroner tried to say he didn't know what I was talking about. But at the end of the conversation, he said he enjoyed the conversation and he wanted to take the cover of the document and make a file in his office. But in that conversation, we were talking about how the legal they're, they're coming at, a, at the legal fiction and they're, they're coming at the dead corporate entity, and I'm a living right. man. Right. And when we got to talk, and he said it was like we talked about 45 minutes, I believe. And at the okay. end of that conversation, he said it was interesting conversation. He, but he, said, he tried to act like he didn't know, but he wanted to take my documents and make a file. <laughs> And then you know it's, yeah, it's not what's said; it's more or less what's implied. Yeah, and what else do you have to do? You have to rebut the bar guild twelve presumptions of law. Yes, and I what believe that's the that power was done of too. attorney. Do when you go and do that power of attorney, right? Um, you're going in and doing the power of attorney. What you're doing is you're 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 knocking out their presumption of law. That's why I said when you look at Form uh, 4828 of the IRS, they talk about you being a legal entity. They talk about you having the power of attorney, or or um, you know another one they used was uh, authorized representative, right? Now I don't know if many people on here get SSI. But I can tell you that an SSI say that they don't have someone to cash a child's check or someone is so severely impaired that they need someone as an authorized representative, right? That they write the paperwork up for the authorized representative. And if you look at a a disability check, it clearly states on there your name the all capital name, and it says authorized representative for the other name. Mm. 
And it's an all capital letters. Well, wasn't the Social Security check be coming from the prepaid account? Yeah. It says Treasury, but I was looking at a check that I get for my grants, and I don't get it anymore, but it says my all-capital name, and it says authorized representative. And if you go to Form 4828, what does it say? That the authorized representative is not liable for anything done as an authorized representative, and neither is the who? Power of attorney. Mm. So when you're turning in that file of attorney to the courthouse, what are you telling them right off the bat? Say whatever you want to. I'm not going to be responsible. Exactly. Not liable. That's right. (laughs) So with that document, we file it and file it on county record? Yeah. I mean, you could file it in county record if you want with your birth certificate. But you're not liable for anything that they try to put upon you as um under that corporate name. Say because that's not that's not a that's not a person, that's just a that's a trust asset. Okay. You want me to talk about the trust asset, that's fine, but I'm not gonna be liable for whatever happens. Yeah, because like you say, you're the beneficiary, so anything that's that right. goes to that trust gotta come to the beneficiary. So it would make sense for them to take it from your prepaid account would be that public trust and give it to you, which is the beneficiary. That, right. That's the smaller name. You, you have to go in and say, if you're going to force me, you got to write a power of attorney to me. I've been using power of attorney, and these people have been running out the damn courtroom. There ain't no lawyers coming into a power of attorney case. But I put it in. Uh... All I had to do was mention it to the judge that my kid had a power of attorney filed and in which courtroom, and let me tell you, they found it. So what do they do? They clear the courtroom and they operate in equity because they and, know and that no matter question. what, uh-huh. Cause so, like, I, um, I talked to you before, I believe, to let you know that it was interesting using the money situation a few weeks back, I think I told you about, the $10,000 worth of debt that got vacated on appeal by just simply asking the question, well, hey, if this is a debt, what do you want me to pay them with if there's no lawful money in existence? And also filing the affidavit saying that I was the beneficiary of the public trust and not the trustee. Mm-hmm. And when I put those documents into the court, I mean, it was interesting to see how the judge reacted and, and the judge asked the attorney, and the attorney couldn't answer, so he automatically vacated it, and it went back to zero. And if they wanted, they would have had to try to bring it again if they wanted to yep. try to bring it. But it was gone, wiped away from the records. But it was interesting that I didn't realize, think if it, I didn't know if it was a jurisdictional question. But he asked me what grade of school did I complete. I didn't get. I never. <laughs> I've heard all kind of jurisdictional questions being asked. But he asked me what grade of school did I complete at the end of it. You should have told him home. You should have said, I'm being homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been a good one. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, that's what they do. Like, when you start, let me tell you, when you start this, and I know a lot of people, they'll be like, this is hogwash. Well, is it? I've been doing a lot of cases, okay? 
And when I do the cases, basically, I know a lot of people, they say they don't have that luck. You know why? Because when you file things in the courtroom, see, I can't be with you. Like, I had a guy, he was in, um, uh, what is it, bankruptcy court. And I gave him the money doc. And then he filed as a man. And the judge had to correct him. I mean, he, that judge, at first, he said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not touching this case. But the man made a mistake. You know what he did? He asked the judge his opinion on something. Judge dragged him right back into the public side and said, oh, did you not come to us for help? He said, yes. He goes, now sit down over there and let me help you. You're going to pay that bill. (laughs) (laughs) What did he say? You fall under the jurisdiction. Yeah, he said in the money, we put the money dock into the, into the, um, the uh, what do you call that, bankruptcy, and the trustee files a motion immediately to be withdrawn from the case. The judge says, nope, you're not getting off of this case. You know why? Because the judge is thinking, if, I, if, you, if you get off this case, I'm going to have to pay his bill. So, I'm, you know, at first, I gave him my assistance through text. Judge is saying, what are you doing back there? He says, I'm texting my advocate. Well, you can't be texting. He says, I am. Judge didn't say nothing. But when I didn't help him, the judge trapped him. They they play this game with you. That's what I tell a lot of people because I have a lot of people that come at me and ask me certain Mm -hmm. things because I've had Mm -hmm. a lot of things go in my favor. But I tell yeah. them, well, honestly, you know, I can help you, but it still relies on you because I can't go in there and speak for you. You have to be able to speak for yourself. And in doing so, you have to take the time out and be able to do the due diligence because there yep. are some questions that can be asked a hundred different ways, but yep. it'll still have that same one answer as long as you recognize the underlining of the answer and what's truly there. That's right. And they will test you. Okay, don't think they're not, you know, that's why I tell people, oh, they'll say, give me this document. Tell me the instructions. Oh, well, what's the use of me telling you? Because you'll file it, yeah. But don't think the judge isn't going to test you on your knowledge. They will test you. And that was what happened today to my kid. My child's not really ready, but, you know, I told her, I I already knew that they were going to test her. I said, you know why I knew? I told her. Do not be afraid because, see, they didn't call me. No one contacted me. And I said, you know why? Because they know, they know where the document's coming from, but they didn't call me because they already knew that the person who files is already going to know what to say. Exactly. They're going to call but you I, all by yourself. <laughs> you know what no, I also see, Wolf? <laughs> I, huh? I also think that they want to see just how young the people are who has the knowledge because uh-huh. it's like they need to know, like, imagine a 20-year-old with this knowledge. They're right. like, how oh, how did you get this knowledge? It's like, mm-hmm. because this, you know, like, the, like I've been studying four years now, and when mm-hmm. I started learning, I said I have decided that I do it like a video game, you know, like how you're playing the video, yeah. those role-playing exactly. games, and you got to build up your strength, your stamina, your, your endurance, and all that, everything one by one. 
So what I did, yep. I learned I learned everything across the board, like at least the fundamentals so that when I'm in a conversation and it starts to jump around the place, you're able to follow, you know what I mean? You have a, oh, yeah. you have a grass and and with that, so now I've come a pretty long, I, I, I think I've just drafted up my blueprint on how to, you know, basically everything that's been going on. And, and it's like, as soon as I've done it, I came on this side and I started, it's like, you guys, it's like, yeah, I just re really, like, basically re reiterated everything that my blueprint was saying to do, you know what I exactly. mean? So exactly. Exactly. And I, you just need to know the principles, um, I think uh, Daryl, Daryl, who's on the, he's on legal deception. He po- he posted like a list of words mm-hmm. on a PDF that you need to know those words. Okay, they're I'm very on. simple two-letter words, huh? What's, what's his name, Daryl? Daryl, yeah, he had posted a a list of simple two-letter words, and let me tell you how important those words are, like. When someone's trying to do a foreclosure on you, right? Yeah. Four dash closure. What is what is the judge doing here? He's Isn't looking at a paper, huh? I mean, foreclosure would wouldn't that mean it takes place prior to the closure? Using no, the etymology of the word. But look how the judge is looking at this now. Let me tell you why it doesn't mean that it's closed. Okay, you know how you think that the judge filed a foreclosure judgment against you, right? Yeah, it means mm-hmm. foreclosure. Right. It's foreclosure on his part. Yeah, okay? for his closure. Yeah, uh-huh. his closure. He's signing off on it. Right? That's so what did I do? I proved to somebody the other day, I said, listen, it says here this paper is foreclosure. He's not going to look at it again now. So what did I do? This is... And, you know, people say we don't have no power in these municipal courts because they're just like a slice and dicer. So I put in an estoppel against all of them. And guess what? All six were granted with a $1 stamp. Coming in as a woman on the land, I'm saying, nope, you're not going anywhere near my property. And I put a no trespassing sign on all four corners of the property, of the house. So then they granted the um, estoppel. I said, see, people, it says foreclosure. It's not really closed. It's not closed at all. He's not going to look at it no more. So they had to take it now to another judge because I blocked them off from trespassing. It's never over. You know, people will say I lost termination of my parental rights. They terminated my parental rights, and I said so. You know, one day I told the judge, and she had told me that, be quiet and banged on the gavel. She said, I'm going to terminate your parental rights. And then I said, so that doesn't mean anything. Just because you terminate someone's parental rights doesn't make them stop being a mother and a father to their babies. She was so mad that I said that, that she banged on the gavel and told me to leave the courtroom. (laughs) Because just because someone says, your parental rights are terminated. What happens? Your body's not going to function no more? You can't no longer procreate because somebody told you your, your parental rights are terminated? Mm-hmm. No, you uh, go back in there and you counter-complain uh, them and accuse them of kidnapping. Yeah, you, you, she definitely well, talking to a piece of paper then. Well, exactly. 
Another thing you might want to do when they tell you that they're terminating your parental rights, all right, ask them uh, who made you God. Because <laughs> you didn't give me that kid. God did, and that's the only person that can terminate my parental rights. And I would go in with a counterclaim and say, define parental right. What does that mean? You know, you want to yeah, see a judge run out of a courtroom? You know what somebody told me? What do I tell them in a child support case? I said, define child support. Define, what does that mean? You just say child support, you got to pay child. What does it mean? Somebody got their case closed and it said 12B6. You know what they did? They went right back in there and said, nope, I'm going to appeal it. I filed a complaint and I had to reopen it because there is, what is a 12B6, people? The judge they just state a claim with relief, which relief can be granted. Right, but they didn't say that. It said this this case has been closed due to 12B6. You know that child support case I was just telling you about? It mm-hmm. said under rule number blah, 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 we calculated. They got a big table on there with numbers, how they calculated how much one has to pay, right? You know what I wrote on there? Irrelevant. <laughs> These mean nothing to me. NA, not applicable. When you look at num look at what they write to you. Numbers, charts, codes, you know what you write across it? Do a counter complaint and attach their paperwork and say, number one, irrelevant. Number two, not applicable. Number three, what is this? Number four, define what you mean here. You want to see a courthouse in distress? Because those don't apply to you. Do you work for the child support enforcement company? No. You don't. So that doesn't mean nothing to you. I had a termination of parental rights case about 10 years ago. And the attorney throws down maybe about a 60-page packet and says, this is while we were alone, okay? There's nobody in the room but us. The judge was out for a break. He says, I believe I have a good case against your family to take away these kids. So I looked at her papers and I pulled out like 200 pages and from my notebook bag and I said, I think I'm going to win you here because you know what? I've been taking notes on you. And I told her, you're full of shit. That's what you are. I said, you and your rules are full of crap. I told her, and I gave it to the public defender who was supposed to be defending the case. And you know what she did? She quit right there on the spot. And then she goes to the judge and says, I I am going to resign because this lady here is practicing law without a license. And the prosecutor says, yeah, she's, she's practicing law without a license. I said, am I? Show me how I'm practicing law without a license. I said, Your Honor, do you want to look at my notes here? You know what she said? Nope, I don't want to look at anything that you have. I said, okay. So you and you, you're wrong. I'm not practicing law without a license. You saw what I gave you. I told her, try to double-cross me. And I walked out of that courtroom. I don't play with, I don't play with lawyers. And one thing I always told them, I will eat you for lunch and I'll spit you out for dinner because I don't use your laws. They mean nothing to me. They should mean nothing to you either. And I quote their laws. Yeah. I say, your, and your laws say 
meaning that that's for you. That's not for me. This is what your laws say. I had a judge actually want me out of the courtroom why? because they they asked me they 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 quoted a statute and I asked them, well, is that from the that is that from statutes at large or is that a statute or code mm-hmm. and regulation? Right. And you say, well, what's the difference? And uh, and I say, well, sir, if you don't know the difference, then am I in the right courtroom? And he said, yes, you are, and get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, when they're using that, those are those codes and statutes are for charging you to give you a bill. And anything that you don't know about is not applicable, number one. When you see violation of statute number one, two, three, four, in your counter complaint, you write, I'm counter complaining against these um, uh, bills that are being put upon me, against these charges, right? Number one, not applicable. Number two, irrelevant. Number three, what is this? Number four, define this. If you see something you don't understand it, then you know you're right on the bottom. Any rule, action, or code that is a secret that I don't know about isn't isn't a law. It's not a law because people can't use secret rules and codes and say that that's the law. Nope. Law is to be known that's, by all. That's, that's why right. there's no excuse for it. But these codes, regulations, and stuff that are copywritten for these government fictions, kids, no way. There's 1,200 pages of this, 1,000 pages. How can you expect exactly. me to know all of this stuff? You're not. You're not. This and that's why you, it's a me. commercial business. Commercial. So, you know, people, you don't have to be with your head. Your head is swimming. You're sitting here wondering what's going to happen here. Just look at the paper. When you look at it, if you don't understand it, right, if you don't understand it, that means it's not meant for you. You're going to write on there what? Number one, you violated this, blah, blah, blah. Number two, uh, not applicable. Number three, irrelevant. Number Whatever, you can use not applicable. Number two, you can use irrelevant, means it has no meaning. It's not relevant to anything that you're aware of. And number three, um, define, if you, say they use uh, under this code, you are defined as negligent, right? Right, define negligent. Number four, you're the custodial parent or you're the non-custodial parent, so you have to pay this much. Say define custodial parent. Define termination of parental rights. Because how did you get a right to be a parent, people? That's your product. That is your byproduct. That product is made by who? You. How does somebody get, you know what? That's going to be a very hard question for them to answer when you say, if I'm the co-creator of this byproduct that was created by me, Julie and Sam, how, how can you say you're terminating a parental right? I'm not parenting this child. This is my co-creation. This child belongs to me until the age of majority. That's one thing I've learned about the United States, too, 
and the way they use their words. I mean, when they name something, that's how they you lay claim to it by naming it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their words and the way you use them, that's how they lay claim to certain things. Yeah. They call you parent, parental yep. rights. You're having a yep. right to parent. That's a privilege. Listen, people. You did not create a child so you can have a privilege. Listen to what they're telling you here now. Break it down. Parental right. They're saying that they're giving you the right to take care of your baby while they're holding the trust assets to your child, and that child's actually their responsibility, and I'll tell you why. As Southern will tell you that I did speak to general counsel over the child support, and I told... I told her, well, who wants to pay child support if you own the children? That lady about probably fell out of her chair. I said, if every father knew and every mother who's under a child support order knew that you own those children, they wouldn't give you a dime. You know what she asked me? What do you want me to do? I told her, give the money that you have in there those millions of dollars in those trust accounts back to the people. And at that time, I didn't even know it was a trust account, but after we kept reading and reading, we realized that she, what did she say to me? We didn't, we didn't issue disbursement because we cannot find them. Why can't they find you guys? Because you're dead. I don't care what anybody tells you. You're a decedent. That's why Form, was it Form 53, Southern? IRS Form 53? 56. Okay, IRS Form 56, people, you better have that in your possession. So, what are you doing? In, so, what's the basic function of that one? Well, you highlight where it says decedent estate. Yeah. And you yeah. use that. Let's say, okay, listen to this. You have a child support order, right? Yeah. You know what, I would take that Form 56, and you see where it says definitions, and it says um, power of attorney, anyone who appears before us is yeah. going to be the debtor. <laughs> Somebody asked a question? Uh, I don't know, but I'd like, like to TV or list that information you were talking about. On okay, now listen. Form 56 says, decedent estate, okay? And it says, let me see, let me see if I can pull one up and I can read it again to you here because it's so important. Yeah, I got it right here. You have, yeah. Look, yeah, read where it my, says, my can you read where it says um, decedent estate? One second. Oh, goodness. On instructions? Yeah, it says on their definitions. Yeah, definitions. Decedent estate. A decedent estate is a taxable entity separate from the decedent that comes into existence at the time of the decedent, decedent's death. In generally, it generally continues to exist until the final distribution of the assets of the estate is made to the heirs and 
other beneficiaries. That's it. Now, people, did they talk? Now, let me ask you this question because I know you're on. You have that form. Does it talk about a living man in there? No. All it Does says, it talk about any uh, living human beings on there? Nothing like that. It only talks about the Eden estates, right? Yeah. And it talks about debtors, right? Yeah. No. What do they call you when you go to court? They call you a debtor. Yeah. They call you devisee. They call you, um, you know, defendant, right? Yeah, That's you telling you right there under Form 56, people, that you are you're they're administering a decedent estate. It okay. doesn't talk about. It says anyone who appears shall be responsible for that estate. Am I not correct? If that's what it says? Yeah. Where does it say that on the form? Look at, hold on one second. I got to pull up the same form as you. Hold on here. I got the form. I got a form notes one. Hold on. Let me find it here. Uh, form, let's see, IRS form 56. Okay, let me see here. Okay. You see where it says here? Oh, come on. Uh, acting on the behalf of a dissident, enter the dissident social security. Oh, wrong one. Um, yeah, the decedent the social security number, right? Yeah. That's talking about the corpus decedent. Yeah. Listen to this. A fiduciary is any person in a position of confidence acting on behalf of any other person. A person yeah. is a corporation. You know the all-capital name? Yeah. And when you go to court, they all say, you're the person that we're talking about. Yeah. A fiduciary assumes the powers, rights, duties, and privileges of the person or entity on whose behalf he or she is acting. Examples oh. of fiduciaries include administrators, conservators, designees, executors, guardians, receivers, trustees of a trust trustees in bankruptcy, personal representatives, persons in possession of property of a decedent's estate, or debtors in possession of assets in any bankruptcy proceeding by order of the court. Okay? Next definition, people. Person. A person is any individual, trust, estate, partnership, association, company, or corporation. Do you get that, people? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so now you got the definition of a person right below it. Now listen to this. Decedent's estate. A decedent's estate is a taxable entity. You are an entity. An entity is described as a living being. Yeah. See? Separate from the decedent that comes into existence at the time of the decedent's death. It generally continues to exist until the final distribution of the estate's assets is made to the heirs and other beneficiaries. Okay, now, the reason why I'm telling you this is that the most important word is here is fiduciary. And it says that it's a position of confidence. And it tells you who they are. 
administrators, conservators, designees, executors, guardians, receivers, trustees of a trust, trustees in bankruptcy, personal representatives, persons in possession of property of a decedent's estate, and debtors in possession of assets. Do they not call you a debtor? Yeah. When you go to court and you're a defendant, do they not call us the taxpayer the debtor? Yeah. Do you not have a debit card, people? Stop it. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a fiduciary. And do they talk about a living entity in here? No, no ma'am. Not even in the person definition. No. There is no living man in here. Well, they're the ones responsible for the bills. The fiduciary. Now, so. go to 4828. It tells you power of attorney. Uh-uh. If you have power of attorney, it says you're not liable, or if, you're, if you become an authorized representative, you're not responsible. What ha- why are they running out of the courtroom, people? We're talking about the, 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 the 2848 form? Yeah. The next one, it says in there... Um, Hold on here. 4828. Uh, 4828. Um, yeah, it's right above here. Look at No, it says 2848. Yeah. Hold on. Look at this. An authorized representative is treated by the IRS as the agent of the taxpayer. Stop it. Hold and on. 20... Further. <laughs> oh man, that's real. That's a that's real. Whew. That's heavy duty. Yeah, that's straight to the point. You don't even have to ask anybody. Where is that? I no, I... that's why I said when you take that document to court, you you, you know when you want to talk about some child support here. Well, say, listen, who are we talking about here? That's why That's why the general counsel told us, well, we can't distribute this money because um, she didn't call it money. She said the proceeds because we can't locate these people. I said, how could you not locate them if they're located right here in this state? Because she didn't want to tell me that everyone's dead, that they've corporatized everyone. And you know what they're doing? All these men and women are paying child support, and they're putting it into the trust. And I'm sorry to tell you, by law, by trust law, they cannot spend the money. Under trust law, the only thing they can receive is 5% reversionary interest. That money, people, has gone nowhere. But it will, if the, by order of the president of the corporation, orders that, like, say they do a clean slate, right? Like the way they took all the gold and silver. Mm-hmm. Now, there's only one person in the United States that can do uh, a credit, and that's Rosa Rio from uh, the, depart- the treasurer on the left-hand side of the dollar bill. So she's the only one that can change the fact that you're, you know, that everyone's under debt. And she's the only one that can credit the nation. You have two forms here. And I, and I know, I know who guest number, let me see, where's my, I think I see guest number 15 should be in here trying to help me here, but. 
I think so. I think, hold on, I think that's me. Your guess number 15 where it says all judges can? Who wrote, who wrote all judges can? Oh, yeah. You equity see where it does says, not aid a volunteer. Equity will not perfect an imperfect gift. You know what? Number fifteen. Let's see who I can barely. I got my number fifteen. You better come over here and speak. <laughs> They're putting some good information. I know, in you know what? I know who it is. Matter of fact, I think number fifteen is my mentor. But I ain't gonna say his name because he he's coming in as number fifteen. So, but anyway, what I'm trying to say here is. Hold on, I, I hear an echo. Hold on. What is that coming from? I hate meeting people out. Hello? 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 Yeah. Hey, people, can you do me a favor? Because I do want to include you in here. I don't mind, but if you guys can do me the favor, if you don't have a question or a comment, you want to mute yourselves out, you can do that. That way you can participate and join with us if you want to ask a question. I'd appreciate it because I like for people to come in and join us. Now, I just gave you, let me see what it said again, Um, because I want to make sure um, that I'm, I I said it was form um, 4828, okay? Well, I think it's 4828. You saw where it said that anyone who's a power of attorney or if they're an authorized representative, it says they are not responsible for the taxpayer. Does it not say that? That's interesting. That um, authorized representative, mm-hmm. they won't. They like if a, a, a process server won't even serve you if you say you're just the authorized representative. Right. So what do you I've do? Had one try to you come have and to serve make a me. document. I had one try to come and serve me personally, and I told him I was the authorized representative for that legal fiction, and he wouldn't serve me. He put the documents back in the paper. I have some dogs. He started looking at my dog, showed me a few pictures of his dog, his daughter, said, hey, man, I'm not trying to serve this. So I say, you're no longer here in your official capacity. You're now here in your personal capacity. And he started shaking his hand with a smile on his face, and he said, yes. And he said, you don't have to worry about me trying to serve this. And he got in his car with the stick of paper, but worked back with him and left. What did you tell him now when he came in? I told him that when he asked, he asked me who was I, he came to serve some paper for my legal fiction. And I said, mm-hmm. that I'm not, I said that I am the authorized representative for that legal fiction. I can help you with that. Right. He said, so you're not so-and-so? I said, no, I'm the authorized representative for that legal fiction. He tried mm-hmm. He called the attorney right there on the spot, said that, hey, mm-hmm. this guy's saying he's the authorized representative 
but he's not mm-hmm. identifying on himself as the person I'm here to serve. Right. Right. So I and I just kept with and the attorney was trying to get him to go ahead and serve me, but him and his status, he was actually a sled officer on on his mm-hmm. official job and a private process server on his own time and mm-hmm. he would not do it. He said, No, I will not do it. He did not he identify said, because him knowing, I guess, by being a sled officer that he had to identify me as that fiction. That's right. Prior to. You had to, um, knew you that show I him, could You should have showed him the power of attorney document. But, see, I don't have a power of attorney document. Being that I was a little clear on you the see, understanding, the thing, I verbally the thing explained is, you can't say and, no one can, and no one rebuts it. And when I speak it in court and no one can rebut it, I tell I I make the court take mandatory judicial notice that no one has rebutted the claim, therefore it is fact. No, but you also yeah, that's that's I'm not saying that's not good, but I'm also saying you always want something in writing so that you see, that's the thing. You're 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 we we keep doing the private trying to interact with the public and you're mm-hmm. trying to say, Hey, I'm private it's like you told him, I'm private, but I, I deal with this public matter. So so the only way he's going to be able to say, okay, then prove it to me. How are you going to prove it to me? Show him a program. Well, I mean, a, a in the course of their own law, they can't even contest it. Once you proclaim it in an open court, it's on a mm-hmm. record then. They can't contest yeah, it. Yeah, but that's an open but listen court. To what, listen like, to what he, okay, listen to what he's saying. You want to have that power of attorney served in with your complaint. I'm going to tell you why. Because we discussed this last week. I mean, we did pull out the document 4828. You see what it says there. Mm-hmm. Power of attorney and authorized representatives are not, they are not liable for anything that the taxpayer is liable for. And I know because I used to get a disability check for my grandson. And I told them, um, wait a minute, why are you counting this as my income and my own income? I have my own income. Um, I'm not liable because I'm an authorized representative. So you better strip them 700 bucks from my income. That's not my income. They had to strip it. If you don't, listen, this is one, so important, people. You do have to get a document putting the authorized, let's say you have an all-capital name, right? hmm Give yourself, and they can't challenge you. Remember, the corporation is dead. Oh, Are they going to call in the corporation yeah. against you and say, are you the authorized representative? Did you make that person the authorized representative? No, because that's a person. They're trying to get you to say you're the person. Well, I mean, well, I say I didn't file a power of attorney, Doc. I did do a little expat repat and send it off to, like, the heads of the Mm -hmm. state, which Mm -hmm. I was um, brought into the nativity in on the part Mm -hmm. of that land. And um, mm-hmm. I said that, and that is documented in all of their offices, and that does mm-hmm. have the authorized representative inf- mm-hmm. um, type verbatim in it, but mm-hmm. I just didn't do it as a, as a power of attorney separate document. Now, granted, now, I am a bit new to this. It may not no, sound like okay. I am, no, but okay. I am very new to this. Listen, so I'm just you're learning doing and I just, just fine. You're doing just fine. What I'm saying here is, 
the other caller, all he's saying is have a document always in your possession because you don't know who you will ever come up against. And that also includes, see, those two documents that I just read to you right now, they are so important because they really strip the, the, the crap out of these people when you know you bring a paper like that and you highlight an IRS form and show it to them and say, well, I'm not an executor. I'm not this. I'm not that, right? It tells you all the positions in there that have a fiduciary duty, right? Yeah. As at to who? The taxpayer or it says what? The decedent. It doesn't say the live man. It even defines the word person in there for you, right? And it did not say a living man. And it did not say a living woman or a living baby or a living child that you procreated. It said corporations, trusts, trustees. Um, it, it tells you what the word person means. And the word person, um, for you listeners, it does not mean you or I. But when you claim to be that person, you're claiming to be uh, the object in which they speak of. You're, you're claiming to be, and you know what you're doing when you do that? You're committing fraud. Are you a corporation? Not that you're aware of, right? I agree. Are you an insurance company? No. Oh. Right. The moment you walk into a courtroom claiming that you're the person, you've just lost your case. Yeah, and all they say you got to do is, uh, yeah, all you got to do is attach the power of attorney form to the to the to the form twenty eight forty six and your power of attorney. Mhm. It uh, it tells you what to do. Exactly, and basically. That's one of your defenses when you're filing a counter-complaint. When you're filing a complaint against them, remember, don't go in as a defendant because if you go in as a defendant, you've just lost your case for walking in there and, and declaring yourself as that person. You can't do it because it tells you. Person means any individual, trust, estate, partnership, association, company, or corporation. Are you a corporation, people? Are you an association? Are you a company? Are you a partnership? Are you an estate? Are you a trust? No. You're not an individual. You are a man or a woman. Okay? You're a living flesh and blood human being mind, body, and soul, and it doesn't describe you in there. It doesn't say any man or woman that comes in here. And then it says a fiduciary is any person. That means any, and then you go to the next line, it tells you what a person is in a position, you know what it is? In a position of confidence. Acting on behalf of any other person. They're talking about two different corporate entities. A fiduciary assumes the powers, rights, duties, and privileges of the person or entity. Okay? You know who the entity is? You're the entity. 
on the on whose behalf he or she is acting. That's he or she is uh, not first person. I hope you know that. And then it tells you examples of fiduciary include administrative conservators, designees, executors, guardians, receivers, trustees of a trust, trustees in bankruptcy, personal representatives, persons in possession of property of a decedent estate. Now, did you see what it said there? Persons in possession of property of a decedent estate or debtors in possession of assets in any bankruptcy court. You're not even in there. They call you a debtor. That is your name to them. Why? Because you call that birth certificate you. And you're not that birth certificate. And when you go in there, guess what? You're guilty. When you run across the street to the bankruptcy court, they're, you know what they're doing? They're probating your estate as a debtor and they're gonna and they're gonna put it on the all capital name and say, you know what? Uh, that doesn't mean it says anyone who appears on behalf of the decedent's estate. You're the dead person. Decedent means dead. See, it doesn't say if someone comes in before the living man or woman's estate, um, he shall be liable as a taxpayer, does it? If you notice, they use every title in there except for man and woman. So if you want to be the taxpayer, go on in there and walk in as that person. If you want to be declared guilty, go in there and say that you're the defendant of the decedent estate. You're defending the decedent estate, and decedent means dead. It means corpus. That means they've taken what you've had and turned you into a trust asset. Who did this? The United States of America. When you were registered at birth, your mom gave you to the United States of America company. It's a trust corporation for the 50 states. Their job is to handle all of the living souls of the entire nation, and you're all under the federal zone that way. You're, they're under that jurisdiction. So when you're in the state, you're walking around as a foreign foreigner on the land of the 50 states, and you are also walking on the land. Unless the state is adopted, you remember, you have to be adopted as a living person because you're a decedent after you're five. Do I have proof of this? Yes, I do. And maybe... Maybe, maybe I can wipe my name off of my paper. I can prove to you that they kill you at five to seven years of age. And I'm just telling you, get those two documents, read them carefully, and understand that you're not a person. Well, at least you're not the person they're talking about. Yeah, that's interesting. I heard that rumor. Um, about something about um, by age seven, all souls are deter- are claimed abandoned at sea or lost at sea. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And I have proof of it, though. But I would have to erase my name from the documents. What they did was 
You know how you can tell that they did it? If you're smart and you guys bought that book, PassingTheBuck.com, you will see that it says that something registered is being put into a trust. And you become the asset of the trust, right? And then you be, it tells you, once you be, anything that gets put into a trust becomes a corpus asset. Corpus means corporation. It becomes a corporation's asset, right? So when they don't know where you're at by the time you're five and you don't declare where you're at, that child, the state declares you lost. And then if you look at equity jurisprudence, that's why they keep saying that you're a thing and they put you in a jail cell. They put you in a container. As missing property, as property captured. See, when I wrote a release, I wrote uh, body under state capture. I call it my properties under state capture. Because they don't understand living human beings, so you have to talk to them and say, that's my property. I co-created it, and that's my byproduct. In rem means things. And I just read in rem to you, and it tells you everything real belongs to them. You're real. And that's interesting when you say your body is your byproduct. When you're saying your body or the child is your byproduct. Well, what I tell them is that lady, that young lady, that baby, and I tell them the first name only in lowercase, I tell them that that is a product of my creating. My That's a byproduct of my co-creation. And I'll put like um, co-created by uh, by uh, me, uh, Jane, and co-created by John. And um, that is uh, your that is your future. That is your product. That is your that is your procreation. Um, can I throw something in here? Can you do something with that, uh, the echo. The echo? The echo? Okay. Okay. Can you get the echo killed? It is, it is very annoying. Yeah, it seems Hello? like it comes and goes, right? Yeah. It sounds like somebody's trying to shut us up. Okay. First off the bat, you need to go look up 31 United States Code. All right, uh, 1321, that's 31, United States Code, 1321. You need to go next door to 1322, and it talks there about the 1321 is trust accounts. 1322 is people whose whereabouts are unknown. When they kill you, you listen, when they killed you off, they killed you so as they could create the Sussex-Avi Trust. That's what the Sussex-Avi Trust did. They killed off the the uh, the heirs to the estates so as they could never collect the, the, the Sussex-Avi Trust. What is it called again? Which one? No, the, tell me what the two are. I'm going to type it into the chat room. 31 
United States Code 1321. <clears throat> oh, wait a minute. Say it again. <laughs> 31. 31. Uh huh. United States Code. Mm hmm. 1321. And 1322. You want to read, look that over, and you definitely want to read 1322. Okay. And that we lady. even found some trust accounts in there, didn't we, Southern? A while, a that, long time ago, we found some trust accounts that said that they were moved over because they were lost. That's 1321 and 1322. Uh -huh. That's your Sessa Kivai Trust sitting right there. Mm -hmm. All right. See, people don't understand the Sessa Kivai Trust. Yeah. Sessa Trust was, was to kill off the heirs. Yeah. Okay? To the estates. So as they could keep the money. That's what it was all about. You remember, you remember the uh, air documents I made, yeah. Denny? Uh -huh. Yep. That's why. That's why I made them, so we could establish the heirs again. Yeah, we have to do that because um, we don't. We don't uh, have any rights. Remember, our parents killed us off. We have to. We have to stop it and then bring back our children as heirs. Mm-hmm. You have to establish yourself as your parent, as heirs to your parents' estate, and your children as heirs to your estate. To carry to carry the line. You got to reinstate the line there. Yep. Uh, we don't have any lineage. Uh, we don't have any. Uh, if you're if you're still listed as a decedent and missing at sea, uh, how can you claim any rights in a court of law until you get in there and? Um, you're probably going to have to go into the probate court. No, I'm not missing at sea. I'm here. No, it's not. They're not going to be very happy at the people knowing this. But um, you know, I just believe that um, uh, it's up to you guys to do this. Um. You guys are going to have to stand up for your rights. We've been trying to tell you that, um, uh, you know, let me tell you what number 15, trustee, all taken oath to U.S. state constitution and have a bond. They have duties. They create jobs, robbery as politicians, world dictionary. Um, you know, uh, believe it or not, you need to look up the words jobber and jobs. Uh, <laughs> your birth, let's see, birthright robbed and probated at birth. We are, we were free at birth for a limited time. And that is true. If you look at your birth certificate, um, you'll see you were born on a certain day and then they registered you. The day you were registered is the day you lost your, your actual right. See, then they sacrifice infants' rights, causing they cause legal disabilities. That's why when you go to court under equity jurisprudence, they say that women and infants are declared as uh, legally disabled. Everyone who goes into the courtroom is legally disabled. Why are you legally disabled? Because the word legal is the undoing of God's law 
and their laws are copyright protected, and they're going to claim that you injured the, um, you're gonna, they'll say, oh, you injured the county, or you injured the state. Um, in the courtroom, when I told them, well, I'm a part of the state, the judge looked at me and said, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, they just letting you know you're not a part of, you know, the court. You know what you tell them? Listen, when the judge just told me you're not a part of the state, right, what is that telling me? You're telling me I'm a foreigner? I'm not a part of your corporate jurisdiction? You draw a line in the sand? So guess what? I do what I think is best, and I'm going to have to file a counter complaint now because, you know, you're injuring me. You're ruining my, you're ruining, and, and our, you know what? We got a, you know, the, uh, I know someone, I think uh, Anna had said one time that to say someone has a name, it's like for things. Well, you have to be called by something. You have a calling. And when someone says, oh, well, your name is whatever, say, no, my name is whatever I say it is. Whatever I tell people to call me is what I'm called, not by what. You know, I wrote this in a claim once. I'm called by whatever I'm called. It's not what these lawyers and attorneys say I'm to be called. Yep, I am who I say I am. Yeah, and guess what happens? They use like 25 titles against me, and they remove them all on the next hearing. So you, you 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 must prepare as 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 people and draw a line in the sand and know who you are. You are men and women and that is the that is in the and you do not come in as third party, okay? Um you wanna tell them about that, uh Denny, about next to friend versus do not come in as third party because if you do you're coming in the same. Well, you pretty much told them right there. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I mean, I can't elaborate on that. I forgot what it was that you had told me about the third. No, you were saying something about next to friends. Uh, oh, uh, I think we were talking about <coughs> assistance of counsel, weren't we? You had told me something about you don't want to come. I mean, I told you about the third party, but you said to come in as next to friend. Well, so I mean, well, like, what is that like a next to friend? That's just uh, we're to seek good counsel, and that's just uh, assistance of counsel, uh, non-commercial help. Uh, we're supposed to seek wise counsel. A next a next friend is someone who enters a court or a pleading, okay, for someone who is incompetent and unable to handle his affairs. You will find that on uh, Legal Information Institute, a very good uh, article uh, definition of it. Okay. But it doesn't make it uh, it doesn't make it uh, wrong for someone to come in as an extra friend, right? Well, that if you if you understand the, the what a uh, private attorney general when he enters a court case, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. not coming in as an attorney. He's coming in as a next next friend. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
That's how they're supposed to come in. These guys go in there and play attorney and they get their butts handed to them. But if you go in yeah. there as next friend and there's, uh, I forget the other term now, I'll look it up tomorrow and put it out there. But there's another term too that they use. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe it's in uh, the Judiciary Act of 1789, Section 35. You can find next friends. I believe it's in there. Well, I don't really have anything more to say this week except that um, basically, you know, you're going to have to, you see, um, you know, um, what I have noticed is I was looking at the durable power of attorney. Um, I was looking at different types of power of attorney, and I noticed that people were able to take power over other other people. And that's what, you know, I was saying, well, you know what? I see that they always try to get people to take power of attorney over other people, right? And then that person loses their right to just about a whole bunch of stuff because it says you got to be specific as to what type of power you're going to allow them. A limited power of attorney. Yeah. So when you do an exclusive power of attorney, then you're really hurting them because you put that into the record, everybody runs away because now they know one of them has to be the trustee. But you really think about it. And you take power of attorney over yourself, now they they just can't use their presumptions of law against you. That's basically what it's saying. You can't take a presumption off and see, look, I'm going to file this power of attorney in court when I do my complaint. And um, you'll be doing yourself a world of justice. And you might start seeing, oh, yeah, they'll call you in. No one's going to be in the room with you. You know, you can, I'm not telling you you're going to get a 100% because every state is different. But I can tell you that I've thrown it around a couple of places, and it's actually, it's almost like raid. It's like a cockroach spray. Everybody runs away. The only person sitting there is the judge. (laughs) He's not affected by cockroach spray. Wendell, (laughs) this is with you this way. I'm sure they're trembling in their boots because they just spend time and they're testing you. I think it's because they can't all run away. Yeah. <laughs> they want to be a before you even walk in there. You have court adjourned before you walk in the court. They're gonna, then you know what's going to happen is everybody's going to start using it. And um, they have to try to get people like, to fool people, so the judge has to be in there, and they're really being careful. Anybody have any questions before we let the show out for the night? Southern? I'm doing good. Whatever you do, you better not snore on me and go to sleep. 
I'm not. Break out the cockroach spray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm going to spray time, you with some cockroach spray. It, at this time, I'm going to call it uh, quits, too, and you keep on squashing them roaches. Okay. <laughs> okay. Take care, Boomer. All right. Good night, folks. Good night. Uh, good well, night, I guess we're going to bring the show to a close early tonight, and um, I hope you guys do download those IRS forms and read them very carefully. And look up the words on those documents. Look up the words um, decedent and other words in there. And um, basically, uh, you need to start preparing yourselves because this is teaching you to know who you are. Yeah. 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 I had a question. Can you hear me? And look up the words of those documents. The words um, decedent and other words in there, and um, I don't know who has the radio on. Preparing yourselves because this is you know, well, you, to know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I see where it's coming from. Okay, somebody had a question. Yeah, I had a question. Yeah, I, I do. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go had ahead, to block ahead. out where that was coming from. Okay. Okay, I think I'm I think I'm unmuted. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yep. Okay, I wanted to ask like with the birth certificate getting it authenticated, like uh my my birth certificate would be coming from Jamaica. Mhm. And I was thinking about authenticated at the consulate down in Miami. Mhm. And then because my friend did his that way, and on the back when they authenticated there, they give you a stamp with the with the United States of America on it, but through the consulate, you know. So we're mm-hmm. thinking, can we then take that to the to the Secretary of State of Florida to authenticate it, and then to Washington to get the full faith and credit that way? If you're already getting, I think if you're already getting the uh, United States of America seal, right, from the consulate. Yeah, then you already have the highest seal. You know what you do when you get it? Scan it, and we'll look at the seal. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it here. I'll um, I'll try to I'll try to upload it. it just, yeah, and send it to me um, so I can see what kind of seal it has. You you might just be over putting too many seals on there. You know? No, it's just the ones like you just get the certified copy. And then now yeah. uh, it was up here, so we we took it down to the Jamaican consulate so that they could mm-hmm. um they could authenticate it. What they did was they put a seal on it and stamped yeah. some writing on the back. I I think I have it right here. Let me see. Are you from Miami? Yeah. Oh, you should get over there with Southern. Oh yeah, where is that? Where is he at? Fort Lauderdale. Oh, okay, I think yeah, I think we're yeah we're supposed to link up. Um, well, man, because yeah, want to get in touch with the guys there, man. You you over there in Miami? You can't be telling me you're having a hard time. <laughs> oh no, I'm not really having a hard time. I'm just you know because I'm I just wanted to make sure I'm doing everything right, so I had to put my blue. Yeah, but I'm gonna so. tell you all that battering ram that I've been doing all month. That's what Miami <laughs> courthouse is. <Darn. laughs> Oh, man, I wish I would have known. I would have tried to find my way down there. Yeah, it's right there at the 12th Street Courthouse. Uh, no, I would have loved to have been there with you for support, too, for real. 
Oh, man, you would have sat in the background. The judge would probably say, get out of here. <laughs> okay, then. So, okay, so you're from down here, too, then? I was. I was in Homestead. Okay. But I'm yeah, not there no more. There but, you know, I know all that, you know, Bayfront Park. Yeah. Um, you know, I that was, I used to work over there, you know, and um, I was in Florida for 25 years. Yeah, I, I kind of like it down here. I've been to every state because I used to drive trucks. So I've been to yeah. every state. But, oh, yeah. I, I, you know, it's good there, but the problem is is that everybody's migrating to Florida. And, not everybody. Well, not everybody, but I'm telling I'm you, going you the opposite you're not going to find a job really that – it's not as easy to find a job in Florida because everybody immigrates there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm having a lot of trouble. Yeah, and because people are immigrating there, um, basically what's happening is that they're getting paid minimum wage. Yeah, and there's no way they're going to give up that money for, to pay us that five. That's right. They don't want to pay us. But, you know, um, you said, where did you say you're from? Yeah, I'm down here. I'm, down, I'm over here in the uh, Miramar area. But you're from oh. Trinidad? Jamaica. No, I'm Jamaica, Jamaica. Wow, so... You're not. He's not in Miami. He's in Miramar. No, but I was thinking about. Um, you ever heard of a company called Ecotom? No. They used to work for Bell South. Ecotom. The reason why I'm asking is because almost everybody that was there was either from Jamaica or Trinidad, but most of them were from Jamaica. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you're right in their alley. I'll tell you that. Like, you could have been, we probably know you and you would. <laughs> yeah, I know because I know a lot of Jamaicans. I know a lot of Jamaicans in the area because, yeah. I know yeah, a lot of Jamaicans. Almost I know all a lot of our of friends Spanish. were Jamaican. Looks like somebody yeah. else has a question here. So, so what yeah, do you think? So, what was the best thing to do with the birth certificate? Oh, yeah, just get it to you. Yeah, I want to see the seal first. Yeah. Okay. 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 Any other questions? What was the next question? Yeah, I had a question about you saying about filing on the third party. Third party means uh, you're a thing. Even if you use it as a third party plaintiff. Now you gotta bring a claim. And your claim, you got to be a first-party man. That is the highest power in your complaint. You're going to write John. A, uh, you could say um, on your complaint, you'll say John, comma, a man on the land. Because why? The reason being that is because if you say third-party complainant, you're saying that you're a thing. And then he did, I could have just put something out there from the PDF um, that we pulled up the other day. It tells you the three different parts of um, your identity. First person, second person, third person. Right. If you find that one, um, if you can, put that out again tomorrow, then. Okay. So that the people can see that they should not be filing in third person at all. Nope. We act in the here and now as first right. person. 
I am that I am. Okay, so um, even if you're in a, as a beneficiary of, a, of another estate, maybe not your state, so to say, but you're a beneficiary of that state, maybe as a, a parent, a parental, or a co-creator, your co-creator estate, put it that way? Do you want to see um, who's, who's asking that question? I am, um, Tamel B. All right, you'll have to text me in private and give me your email, and I'll show you how to file um, a claim over a baby or or anyone under 21. What's that? If you have a child under 21, I can give you a copy of how to file a power of attorney over the corporate name of your child. That way, when you do that, you take the power away from the court. See, DCF will try to steal your kids. But if you take power of attorney over their corporate name as well, then guess what? They don't have no power over that name either. That's how we got the case thrown out. Yeah. They get fear. I'm telling you, they will send some so of the best that, attorneys. So do the child have to sign too? Nope. No. Remember, you're, you're, you're taking over the corpus. And you're going to say, that's my, you're taking, it's good. But now, the way I wrote it was, so they were going to try to outsmart you. You write, I take over the power of, the, you know, you're going to write your child's name in all capital letters. Yeah. And it says, I retain this power until age of majority. Okay? Yes. Because remember, that child too. has, a, but yours shall be irrevocable. Yeah. I guess what I'm asking is, if you as a child tried to help the parent? Say that again? Say, but what if you as a child trying to help the parent? See, look, let me get a little deeper with it. The reason I use the third party is because I am the child trying to help the parent out in a situation. See what I'm saying? As in my parent. Okay, wait a minute. Is your parent an elderly yeah, they're, they're older. They've um, they've started fighting cancer and things of that nature. They have to give you power of attorney. But yes, I've been getting this mess about a power attorney can't represent them in court. Who who said that? That's what the judge told me. Uh-uh. Um, that's a lie. If that were true then no attorney could represent anyone, plain and simple. You heard what he said. There you know what you tell them? You tell them, remember you got that Form 56 there, okay? Form 4828. Why? Because you need to tell the judge, um, Your Honor, I need to see the law that specifies what you've just stated. Can you provide that for me? You now, he told you no, right? So what you're going to file a complaint. You're going to file a complaint, and you're going to demand the law that specifies that, that what he said is true. Yeah, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of the few people I know in the United States of America that actually paid the Department of Children's uh, services one million two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for my daughter, 
and we have a trust for her. And mm-hmm. at this time, there's uh, three years later, after having fought for seven years to get her home, mm-hmm. uh, she's fifteen now. Now they're going after me, saying that I've spent twenty thousand dollars that was out of her trust, out of her, out of the three million that she got. They, they took a million and a half. The lawyers took a million and a half, and we were left with less, about a million two. And now that because we didn't spend twenty thousand dollars the way they wanted us to spend it, give it all to the doctors and lawyers. They're trying to go after my trusteeship over my daughter. Um, I'm I'm her co-creator, and just because I didn't spend it the way they wanted it done, does that make me wrong? Um. No, Philip. What we're going to have to do is move that trust. We'll collapse that trust and take it back and move it to your jurisdiction. Another thing well, is he needs to take a power of attorney, but see. Mm, well, they they that, promised me next month that they're going to indict me because I already have a co-trustee because when I got the situation, they told me for my protection that it would be best if I filed with a co-trustee, so I did. The co-trustee now has a beautiful home, a limousine company, a trash company, and my daughter and I have nothing, and we're living Wait a minute. in the Puerto Rico. Who is the co-trustee? A fiduciary from Toman Associates. Oh, from, the, uh, from a law firm? From uh, a fiduciary firm. Uh, from a CPA mm. firm. Anyway, Did for, you my hire them? for my protection, I, I I just now we're we're filing the default tomorrow. I filed that in the in the the district court that gave us the settlement that mm-hmm. in honor of the judge. Supreme Court Justice Kennedy, I file it in that court. You don't file the default. When when Debbie gets done with that, I wanted to talk with her about that stuff, and then we'll we'll handle okay. it from there. We've okay. done we've done the first one and the second one, and he has sent the third one to Joshua. So okay. tomorrow tomorrow he wanted to file the one with the U.S. District Court. A copy of the third one, the declaratory judgment. We don't file it with them. You just give them notice that you completed that process. Okay. And then we're just going to handle it all in the private and just go, like I told you, we're, we're going to, we tried to settle this honorably. And uh, by his acquiescence, we got a default judgment. So, that eliminated any controversy. He agreed to anything you wrote in that contract with him, with the trustee. Therefore, we're going to collapse this trust and change the situs of this trust to our jurisdiction, a private, pure trust in equity. And it doesn't matter that they're going to come back and say, well, we've been uh, in, in a criminal investigation for two years over this situation. And, That's irrelevant. Uh, you tried to settle this. See, this is why I told you 
we were going to do an administrative process and try to settle this before this proceeded any further because you're eliminating the controversy. If they come back and try to indict you on this, they are creating controversy, and your proof of you trying to settle this honorably, that means without controversy, you put forth your good faith effort to try to settle this before any criminal actions were filed. So if they turn around and try to file criminal actions, your proof stands as your default judgment and your other three, uh, your other two notice of default opportunity to cure step number two. And then your first one, your offer to settle this and that's your due process. So you put West Judicata, stare deceases with permanent estoppel in any court in the land, right, Debbie? Right, Debbie? Debbie? Sorry, I put it on mute. There were people getting into the car. Yes, yes. Okay, good. So okay. permanent oh. estoppel, barring any defense in any court in the land, means they can't indict you for this. You've already, in good faith, uh, tried to settle this peacefully ahead of time without controversy. They can't create controversy to now indict you. That's why I had you go through and do this stuff. Now we'll just notice the Attorney General that this is completed. So since he does, the co-trustee doesn't want to act in honor, we're going to collapse this trust and move it to another jurisdiction. And we're creating this private pure trust. And that's why I gave you those documents, Debbie. We'll type that up and get this set up real quick and then uh, just sign it with some witnesses there where you're at, Philip. And you're good to go. We'll send them the first page and the last page of that and just go, now we're transferring all the corpus of that statutory trust into this trust. Because if you read through your trust papers, I read through your trust papers, and you can do that. Okay, the last thing that the the trust said in it was that uh, any action uh, upon the trust has to be approved by Justice Sharon Kennedy. Uh, meaning the collapsing of the trust, the moving of the trust, uh, the attorney general going after me, um, that can only be done with her, her permissions. Um, and, and from what I understand, they didn't start looking into us until after we bought a shitload of dinar in Zimbabwe and Vietnam Dong, enough for billions of dollars. And, and I believe that that's, the reason why they're coming after us now is because uh, you should ask we, them. I thought the purpose of the trust was to protect the beneficiary, and not the only that, but corpus. it's supposed to be used for uh, growth. Yes, it is. And so, where where have you violated if you're trying to make growth in the trust on for the uh, benefit of the beneficiary? Well, let's pray that Saturday comes quickly then. You know, that doesn't make if you get that book passing the buck dot com. I'm trying. I only got a I've only got a dollar left after I've I mean, been screwed like, by just everybody else. Yes, I, okay. So uh and if they're the ones who are making all those decisions, I would say, well, I would like to know where the court's handling the statutory trust. When you are spending the money and charging all these fees, tell me how you benefited the beneficiary. They did. Right. No, here right. would be the counter complaint. You know what I'm saying? Yep. 
I understand that they do this to a lot of parents. Yeah, but no one's probably ever fought back with a counter complaint. And here's my thing is that you could say, well, um, uh, you know, this government wants to say, well, you misappropriated those funds. Say, well, no, the purpose of having a trust is for growth. Now, you, if, you know, you can file a counter complaint and say, now show me how your spending on this trust uh, profited the beneficiary. Yeah. And, they, they and I, took my, I took my 12-year-old right just to do the See, right now, they're causing harm to Hannah. That's I right. did put that in there, too. Yeah. They, 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 remember, not as a defendant, not as a defendant now. You have to file a counter complaint. Or a or a complaint like a, a a specific brand new complaint against whoever's trying to harm the trust and harm um, the beneficiary because if these people have spent as much money as they've described here according to the trust book then they're in violation too especially in these statutory trusts it doesn't say that people who have statutory power over the trust can spend it for their own benefits as well and it seems to me like they're paying themselves. They told me to borrow a try uh, that I would have to come up with $10,000 for a new attorney because the attorney that's in question right now, is he, he only asked the attorney general if I was in trouble or not. And the attorney general said, well, we'll know in about a month. We're going to indict him. Oh, well, you know, I would already be filing a counter complaint on them to say, well, if I'm in trouble, so are you guys. Because I, you know what, you'd you'd be filing a counter complaint of all of these people that had their hands in the pot. And and that's what we were going to do: file that with the attorney general exactly. and give him notice that we tried to settle this mm-hmm. uh, ahead of time in honor with the co-trustee, and he yeah. he's in default of that administrative process. Yeah. So for that reason, uh, we want to move this trust to a private pure trust with mm-hmm. a different jurisdiction with yeah. a different appointing new trustee to it like we talked about Philip alright well then I just I'm ready because I'm afraid I'm about to be a defendant before I'm a claimant <laughs> well you know your no, job isn't no. to be a defendant at all you know I know you're a trustee but um, uh, basically uh, according to the trust, trustees aren't supposed to be held liable. Well, apparently they're saying I am. Uh, we well, spent $20,000 in seven weeks going to Disney World in France, and then we did seven countries, and we had the best time of our lives. And mm-hmm. that's a benefit for the beneficiary. Right. Oh, yeah. Plus, you, you were investing money trying to grow the trust assets, and they're being counterproductive in this. And let's face it, attorneys are known for not telling the truth. Yeah, and they're over here spending up money and making themselves pay. You know, they're making payment for themselves. Sure. And uh, how they haven't violated the trust. And tell me how they, um, They whoever it is. Yeah. You you tell me how every one of you people who collected from $3 million Benefited yeah. the beneficiary. When I paid them a million two to the lawyers, they came back with a 
another piece of paper saying uh, 10% more because of good, good, good faith and conduct of, of winning the case. When they wanted me to settle out at a 100 low and 300,000 highball, and I told them, grab onto your colonies and grab your grab grab yourselves and let's go back in there. And you're not going to do nothing. You're going to help this little girl out. And the jury came back and awarded her the largest amount for any uh, uh, medical malpractice for the state of Maine. Yep. See, and there's that's what we were going to work on here in the next couple of days. When that notice of default comes back, I told you you have to wait till that the time expires on that. If you give them 14 days, you wait 15 days or 16 days. It's already expired, and he got the green card back. Okay, there you go. That's Man, what I we thought were I for. could have swore it said that the most the trustees can receive is a five percent reversionary interest, unless. You contract out of that. And did they? I'm, I'm not allowed to take a paycheck from any of the money. Well, they sure take yeah. a paycheck out of it. Yes, they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. they're, they're, that's one thing. That's one thing we got to look at, Philip. Yeah. Yeah. They told me as a parent, you're not allowed to get any money. You you, you be a parent. Mhm. That's why we got to get this trust tightened up and moved as quick as we can. And that's what we had to do to complete the administrative process as low-key mm-hmm. as possible, and mm-hmm. then we can come on the counterattack or the counterclaim. So it was a good job on this call. There was a lot of good information. Jenny, you tried to help. But, yeah, you go for it, guys. Thanks a lot for all your helps. Okay, okay well, good night, people. everybody, and have a. I hope you enjoyed the show. And next, until next week on Legal Deception, make sure you guys look up those forms and those laws. Yeah, have a good thanks, night, everybody. everybody. Take care. All right, Bye-bye. take care. All right. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.